You Spoke need to get a hand on your people, Rick. <laughs> Why do you always say that? Because your people are everywhere, Rick. You're like a little doll with a string on his back, and you pull it, and you only say three things. Oh, yeah, what are those, head. Rick? You we got to keep down people. I'll die here. This is my farm. All right. Yeah, my yeah. butthole hurts. Yeah. <laughs> I never said that, Rick. Well, I never said that, Rick. Promise right, me one thing, Rick. God damn it. More promises? Promise number 242. Are you right? down. When the walkers take glory. Get they're up. not going to take Lori. I'm going to protect her. I know you're going to try, Rick, but I've all seen right, you all try. Right, all right. It's not good. everyone welcome to episode 102 of gundam at mahq this is chris guanche and i'm joined by my two fellow losers Solbro and neo say hello guys hello what's up gang so today we're going to be talking some robots as you might expect oh man i'm sure some of you are shocked to hear this just shocked <laughs> thought we were going to do some moe Oh, that's that's uh, that's that's the new that's uh, Moecast new on the Gundam <laughs> MHQ podcast network or nice. magical magical girl cast magical girl cast hosted by Pedal Bear North <laughs> and South and all the directional pedal bears. <laughs> Please know this is not an actual podcast, so don't get excited for this because we're not we're not going to do this. Sorry, Peter. Oh, I have someone someone's someone's tearing up and. Uh... In Canada right now. Yeah. Un- uh, <laughs> unlike a chance to be big. Unlike Cartoon Network, we don't listen to polls. <laughs> exactly. Oh, we, we go out of our way to ignore them. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to be talking about uh, Transformers for the first time in a long time. Ooh. And we're going to be heading into a discussion of Transformers Prime. Just the first season. You can watch the second season now airing on The Hub. Mm-hmm. The Hub, baby. The hub. <laughs> Hub's where it's at, guys. But we're just going to look at the first season. And then we're going to jump into an extended mailbag. Quarterly mailbag cleanup. Quarterly mailbag cleanup. We're perpetually behind. It is second quarter, so. Yes. So, but first, uh, I'm going to uh, hand it over to Neo at the Larry King Memorial Journalism Desk to discuss the latest postings in Neo's news. Memorial? He's not dead yet. <laughs> You don't have to be. <laughs> this is the action, the action king center. It's see, I just I had memorial just preemptively put on the desk so that later we wouldn't have to like space it out to add the word memorial once he's this dead. This is uh, <laughs> and 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 the and, and the and the center is suspended heads uh, from the uh, thirty stories up, so you can just see all of uh, Southern California at this point. So, thank you, Mr. Larry King, for all you've done for us. Um, yeah, okay, first one here is uh, we got some news articles here from the uh, Neo's Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the uh, Gundam section of the Mechatalk Forum. So the first one here is from 
what is he now? The uh, evangelist. E- what did you guys call him last episode? Uh, the old evangelist. Evangelist. <laughs> Jabman here, and he's got a um, an article from uh, one of Chris's favorite uh, sites, uh, Anime News Network. And uh, I, you know, this is this is kind of interesting because you think this would have happened a long time earlier. But uh, McDonald's in Japan is having their first uh, Gundam Happy Meals. And uh, they're not as cool as what you would think. I thought they would have the little box and it would be Gundam themed and everything. But mm-hmm. they're just, uh, they're just uh, Gundam tri-age game cards. So, you know, so they're just showing, you know, you get your typical hamburger, your soft drink, your fries. Or it looks like, oh, you can, just like here, you can choose fruit. So, uh, yeah, they're going to be giving a, the cards feature Mecha from the Gundam Age and some UC Gundam. So, um, uh, the Gundam 8 Tri-Age game debuted in Japan last July. So, uh, you know, if you're able to get over to Japan, that would be pretty cool to go and, and get. Um, you know, it's always kind of weird to go to another country and uh, and get something you can get in the United States. But, you know, the cards. Yes, uh, cool. I, I experienced this when I had Burger King in Ireland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, I want to I make this clear. Whenever I go to a foreign country, I go out of my way Not to avoid yeah. American food because the whole point is to eat the food of the country you're in. That's but Ireland. there was one particularly long day where I was just hungry, wanted just something quick to eat before I would run out to have a uh, big Irish meal for dinner. So I was like, screw it, Burger King. <laughs> and how was it? The same as... In the states, sir. Exactly the same, but uh, when when they talk about super size, super size for them is not the same as it is for us. Oh wow! So <laughs> super size for them is American medium. <laughs> More like American small. Like you get you get basically like the small drink cup, and you get like the small little not even like the carton of fries, the little plastic bag, the little paper bag of fries. Oh, so it's, it's, it's not half a field, a half a potato field of yes. french fries. <laughs> well, which is surprising given that it's Ireland. You'd think they'd be like yeah. all over the fries, but well, no. Well, they did have a fan, fan, uh, fan, them, fan uh, <laughs> Yes, but that was in the 1800s. Although, interestingly, um, as you would expect, and this is very Pulp Fiction-y, they do have different names for things. Mm-hmm. So the original chicken sandwich over there is called the Chicken Royale. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's a cool name. Chicken yeah. Royale. And uh, they also Which, have have a weird... chicken royale at the casino royale. No, <laughs> <laughs> they also have weird things there that, um, that no. you get here, like uh, lamb flatbread sandwiches. Oh, is it good? I did not have that because the one that I went to didn't have it. It was, um, I guess, maybe it was like a pilot thing. It was at a Burger King that was at like a uh, like a highway stop. Oh, okay. Like, try the new, you know, lamb meat flatbread sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mm. Well, lamb is the meat of choice. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. uh, so there's some it. totally useless information that has <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know it feels like to be soul bro. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the shepherd's pie sandwich you had. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you, Jabman, for your submission. Thank you, Chris and Solbro, for commenting on that article go. anymore. <laughs> Next one here is from Kaon73, and this is coming from the Inside Movies uh, Entertainment Weekly section. And, uh, yeah, this is probably bad news because uh, anytime I do a I quote from a a mainstream website they usually go out of business so look out entertainment weekly oh no but uh yeah i know 
what would all the hard hitting blogging where would it go um <laughs> we all know james cameron he made uh, do we Avatar. do we all personally know him on a no. first name basis <laughs> i mean we know of him <laughs> but, hey uh, jimmy how's that sub nice to meet you <laughs> I guess he's made the proclamation now that he, uh, based on the success of Avatar, that he's going to launch a whole new saga, and that's uh, all he's going to be working on is Avatar and all of his Yay. other projects that he had. He has uh, shut down and it's no longer looking at anything. So I guess uh, Battle Angel that that's never going to happen. <laughs> Damn. You know that guy. Like Damn, I don't. I, at this point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not just us, but I think everyone should ignore any comments he makes about anything because this guy just goes back and forth about that movie. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do this. No, I'm not going to do it. I mm-hmm. want to do it. I'm not going to let anybody else do it. I want to do it before I die. No, I'm not going to do it. Just freaking decide already, man. You already <laughs> have more money than Jesus because of well, Titanic and Avatar. Just do one thing or the other. Either do the freaking movie or don't do it. He's got the attention span of the dog and up. <laughs> he d- it's like, squirrel, Carl Angel. <laughs> Avatar. I mean, for freaking 15 years, he's been going on and on and on and yeah. about Alita and how awesome it is oh, just yeah. that he yeah. won't make it. Yeah, just go look back at his track record. Um, wasn't he the guy who was going to do Spider-Man way back when? Well, his pitch for a Spider-Man was horrible, so I'm glad he never did it. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> it's even worse than Spider-Man 3, from what I hear. Yes. I've, I've read it, and it's god-awful. Damn. Well, I have a question for you guys because, you know, I probably can state I've never seen Avatar. Is there enough <laughs> there for uh, a saga? I honestly don't know. Uh, but he borrows a lot of stuff from other things for Avatar, so I'm sure he could borrow a shitload of uh, other people's ideas for the other but Avatar what movies. I'm, but what I'm saying is that story, though, is there that much to I, go? I don't know what you could do. Like, you know, white men come back to fight blue cat Indians again or, mm-hmm. you know, what? I don't know that. You could make a story, or that uh, anyone who's not blinded by the special effects would care. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was the success of that movie more than anything. So, okay. Well, that was my question. Thank you, Mister Kon seventy three, for your submission. Next one here is from Dolo, and um, this is from the Anime News Network. And there's a trailer up there for uh, the Cyborg zero zero nine. Um, for the new movie. It's an international version, so definitely check that out. It's 274 seconds long and uh, has all the story's characters throughout it, so uh, anybody out there that's a big fan of Cyborg 009, definitely check that out. And uh, thank you, Mr. Dillo, for your submission. And next one here. Oh, Chris. Uh, Mr. Bushido, you know, our, our resident, uh, he's the 501st guy from up in the Bay Area there. Yes. He, uh, he's got a belated birthday gift for you oh, oh and this is coming from the gundam guy blog and what is it the way the joga that that the elephant mobile suit from um the, the Juga? Ju- juog juog well there's a t-shirt that's going to be available for sale shortly <laughs> so uh, he, he said oh, that I, I i saw it and if anyone ever gave that to me i would burn that shirt and then stab <laughs> them in the face <laughs> I actually True. like some of 
I'd actually encourage everybody to go to the 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 link here because there's some other things instead of the Juag. There's the um, there's like the 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 naval battleship uh, hat that's like Principality of Zeon. Oh wow! <laughs> it has got like the logo in the front. It says Principality of Zeon, and then it's got like 0069 to 0079, and there's like bombs. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, like you wear like these these like World War II Navy veterans that says like yeah. I served on the USS whatever. Pearl Harbor survivor, you know, it's like, yeah, and they also have, uh, there's a camouflage principality of Zeon, uh, kind of like uh, Aloha shirt, so that's uh, definitely, definitely there, and there's one of those, like, working hats, you know, like those, uh, I guess, like, engineer hats, it's like a principality of Zeon one, too, so, and then a whole... Working hard every day to kill masses of space noids. <laughs> And if it, that's enough, there's like a whole bunch of little cell phone cases, uh, some with like the mass-produced Zaku on it, uh, the actual logo, the Xeon logo with red, and then there's a Haman Khan from like um, Double Zeta uh, cell phone case. So there's quite a bit there. So uh, definitely uh, check that out. And thank you, Mr. Bushido. And I'm sure Chris would enjoy that shirt. So uh, definitely send that out to him as soon as you get it. I, I would enjoy the Haman Khan uh, cell phone case. Someone get on that for Android. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that is pretty cool looking. I'm, I'm looking at it finally. Wow, that's that is pretty cool looking. All all those all, all those cell phone cases, man. Uh, I guess for the inner Xeon fight, uh, Xeon file in you. For the for the inner inner genocidal maniac in you. And in, indeed. <laughs> Hey, they need a place to put their phones. So. Even even uh, Mechatox resident Nazi needs it. Of course, you don't want to scratch the you don't want to scratch the face. No, nope. <laughs> he's probably bought everything on this page. I'm sure he has triple triple pre ordered and then doctored it up in his own special way. Oh. Yes. <laughs> All right, I have another article here, and this is from Nasty Nate, Burt Man, and E Nate Dude. Uh, guys, definitely read before you post. But uh, thank you for this, and I, I know with this um, this particular news story, I guess the excitement was just too much for you guys to see if somebody hadn't planned uh, had posted, had posted it five seconds before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, guys, there is there is a feature on MechaTalk just as a PSA. If you're in the middle of post writing a, a reply to a thread, and someone has posted something in the interim, when you click submit. It will stop and tell you that and say, maybe you should look and see what someone has posted before you post your thing. So just a heads up, take advantage of that little feature, guys, if you're posting something and someone else is posting something at the same time. And I can tell by the timestamps, they definitely didn't do this because the three of them posted over over the, the span of three days. So uh, <laughs> you might want to check out that feature, guys. <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, big news, and I'm sure everybody knows, uh, Gundam Unicorn, the the anime that's been going on for the last five years, is now getting a seventh volume, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's gonna the length of it has not been determined, but some people are speculating it's gonna be longer than um, longer than an hour. So, uh, and this was announced at the Mobile Suit Gundam UC Film and Live Event 2012 event. So, uh, it's gonna be in the near future. So. Um, Guys, comments on that. <laughs> well, I, also, sure you, you, was, you forgot the other half of that, which is episode six is delayed until next year. Oh, oh, oh yes. Oh. Sorry. So I do have a comment on that, which is rather amusing. And that is, well, thought so, something that was amusing to me, which is, you know, up until now, people have been complaining that um, six episodes just isn't enough. 
tell the story and things are going by too fast, yada, yada. And now that it's getting a seventh episode that might even be longer than the standard length, I see the opposite people complaining that, oh, they said it was going to be six and now there's even more to buy and now they're just cashing in and, you know, this messes up my, my anime budget and blah, 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 blah. Switch. Okay. You know, it's just it's just always one way or the other. There's no way to ever satisfy anyone. And what I would say is, since we're only getting one episode this year, if you are so poor or cash strapped that you can't afford forty five dollars for the single episode of Unicorn that's coming out this year, then it sounds like Gundam is the least of your worries. (laughs) Because while yes, I will agree the prices for these Blu-rays are higher than what you would get on, say, Amazon or at Best Buy. The pain is spread out across three and now four years. So what is the complaint? Either it was getting compacted too much or now it's getting dragged out and Bandai's cashing in. It can't be both at the same time. Definitely. Yeah. But as usual, that's how it is with fans Mm -hmm. of anything. You do one thing, they bitch about the other. You do the other (laughs) thing, now they bitch about that too. And so, the way, and so is the way of the internet. Are you, <laughs> are you saying fans are irrational about things now? How dare you? Poss- possibly. How dare you, sir? Possibly. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Nasty Nate, Burtman4, and any dude. And uh, yeah, you might want to use that feature that Chris just talked about. <laughs> well, it only works if, it's all, if everyone's posting at the same time. Oh, okay. It doesn't do any good for you if it's across days. Yeah. Well, maybe you should just look a... Look a Look a post or two prior. <laughs> yes, that would be the sensible thing. Look two or three posts up in front of yours and see what's been posted. Because actually it's what the funny thing is, all three of them were in a row. <laughs> that makes it even worse. All, all Come in on. succession. Hey, 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 to Nasty Nate's credit, he was first. <laughs> he, he won up them. But Hey, there you go. All right. Next one here. And I, I, I got a feeling uh, I, I feel screeching tires. I feel oh. exhaust. Uh, but this is coming from uh, JRoy1117, and this is coming from AdultSwim.com, and it has been announced that on May 26, 2012, it says, Toonami's back, bitches. <laughs> so I guess this is in response to the April Fool's prank that they, they did. Well, on April Fool's, and um, you know when they started showing all the old, I was what Gundam Wing, Tenchi, Outlaw Star. Who else did they show on that? Voltron, Robotech. Oh, oh did they? Okay, yep. way back wow. when. So um, yeah, it's back. So uh, I can feel it. I know it's not. Uh, I know. I know. Uh, Solbro is not at the wheel, but I can feel. <laughs> Sobro's way in the back seat. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be beating down on actually, his people, the, actually, the citizens of, of hopers and dreamers. Actually, Solbro's on the uh, on the ground after he just got run over by the bus. Yes. It's like, so, hoper and dreamer spotted, run him uh, over. <laughs> so, Chris. And, he, and, and, and as he lays there, you know, crippled and able to move, he sees the sticker on the back of the Straight Talk Express, like my driving. <laughs> so, Chris. As, as it all fades to black. It Credits. is election season, so it, it's time for your best John McCain. It's now time for the Straight Talk Express. <laughs> you have the floor. My friends. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not going to do the whole thing as John McCain. That would be too hard. 
Because you need the only way that works is you got to be able to do the arm things with him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, as a hero, <laughs> I understand that. Tsunami <laughs> is back. Congratulations, you've achieved the rebranding of a block of programming that already existed. <laughs> so now, while I do enjoy crushing the hopes and dreams of the hopes and dreamers, mm-hmm. it's not just for that reason that I do so. Uh-oh. It's also for your own good, all of you hopers and dreamers, because though it may not sound like it, I am not against optimism when that optimism <laughs> is based in reality. Mm, now, when true. you talk about stuff that is just so blind and naive and out there, that is a, another thing entirely. And the reason that I crush these hopes and dreams of yours is to bring you back down to reality because if you go out there with such naive ideas about what the resurrection of Toonami means mm-hmm. and then they don't happen predictably, you're setting yourself up for major disappointments. So better that I crush you down now than you experience more disappointment in the future. <laughs> in other words, I'm like your cruel anime father. They- <laughs> drunken anime father with yes. sweat stains on his wife beater t-shirt and yes <laughs> comes home and eats uh, swanson tv dinners it's like where i wanted salisbury steak not chicken fried steak <laughs> sounds like you maybe have some personal experience <laughs> no you, you no. said a scene that's so real i could almost feel it no Woo. no 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 paint a vivid picture uh, <laughs> way too vivid a picture uh, I was just thinking of, like, the dad from, like, True Romance. There you go. <laughs> so anyway. Okay, so Toonami's back. And uh, I'm sure if you're Steve Blum, you're happy now because, of course, he gets more work as Tom. And, hey, if anyone deserves to have more work all the time, it's Steve Blum because he kicks ass. Yes, indeed. Well, thank heaven. But otherwise, <laughs> but otherwise uh, I do not see the massive revolution that a lot of the Hopers and Dreamers see. So, of course, as soon as this thing was announced, I began traveling the Internet to find ridiculous comments to make fun of. Occupy William, William Street. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Occupy William Street? <laughs> no, I, I <laughs> Possibly, but I did not go there. So uh, I'll share with you some select comments to ridicule. Oh, okay. And single out as though they're representative of the whole. Here we go. Okay, so I believe on Toon Zone, one poster said that this was the happiest day of his life, which, <laughs> if that's true, your life must be pretty damn sad. Damn. <laughs> I mean, seriously. If the name change of an anime programming block to Toonami is the happiest day of your life, then I think that's where you have to sit down and re-examine your entire life up to now. (laughs) Okay. Solid. Yeah. (laughs) On ANN, someone said that this could be huge and they should put Gundam on because it'll boost DVD sales and maybe Bandai could get back into the business and release Turn A and other stuff. Yeah, all, the, all those, all those uh, Gundam videos that are they're clogging up the uh, shelves of Best Buy and stuff, right? Yeah, so we'll come back to that in a second. Mm-hmm. And though I was not looking for it, there was a comment that popped up on our Facebook group where someone recommended that uh, this newly reborn Toonami, they get dubs of Turn A and double zeta oh boy <laughs> so let's let's deconstruct this whole thing down at once and not pick on any people in particular all right and let's start with gundam 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Even before Bandai bowed out, in the best of circumstances, turn A was never going to get dubbed, period. That's that was the plan. <laughs> that, that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, they couldn't even manage to get out a sub-only version before they croaked. So what does that say? <laughs> Quite a bit. <laughs> Number three, if you've actually seen turn A, then you know that it is an absolutely horrible choice for Toonami. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the show, but it's not, it's not a choice for it, <laughs> a little too slow, a little too different. It's, it's about uh, 13 years old now, which is too old for American teenagers. <laughs> it's not shiny enough. Uh, number two, it is very, very slowly paced at the beginning and character focused, not heavy on action. Mm-hmm. So that would make it an absolutely terrible choice for the newly reborn Toonami. Okay, double Zeta. This just boggles my mind. <laughs> so I want to know is... Why would Toonami want to air a 25-year-old show that is the sequel to a show they never aired, aired. <laughs> which was the sequel to a show they considered a failure? Mm-hmm. Which they never finished airing. Which they never <laughs> finished airing. Not even once. So how does that make any sense? Mm, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I'm sure it does. Because... Now, of course, some people have said, you know, oh, now that Toonami's back, it means we'll get age. Um, all right, I know age is the new thing, but first of all, it's not even done yet. Mm-hmm. Number two, who's going to dub it? Yeah. yeah. Who's going to put there's, that money down? There's no Bandai <laughs> Entertainment anymore, and I don't think Bandai Visual cares. <laughs> <laughs> Given oh, that man. with the Blu-ray release, all they've done is slap on the, uh, the YouTube subtitles and nothing more. So just on the Gundam portion, y'all are nuts. Oh, wow. <laughs> to the to the wider points for uh, for the Eggmans of the world. Oh, I <laughs> think that this will be you know an anime revolution that you know creates a whole new generation of anime fans. I smell a YouTube response. <laughs> Possibly, and if you make one, uh, we will respond to your response. Oh man! <laughs> so here's the thing: the idea that. This whole thing is nostalgia-driven, and every time I say that, people say, oh, but it could create new anime fans. And here's the problem with that. No, it, it doesn't. And this should be a rather obvious point, but I guess it isn't. Nostalgia about a certain thing only appeals to people who have nostalgia for that thing. Pretty much. It doesn't create new fans of that thing. Let's look at another example. Say Transformers. Right. Kids who are fans of Transformers these days have probably become fans of it through the movies of Surbay <laughs> or Animated or Prime or if they're the little youngins, Rescue Bots, or maybe the video games. Right. If you walk up to some little kid who says he's a fan of Transformers and start talking all of this G1 crap, they're like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? You know? And uh, if you talk to some little kids who are fan of Mario games these days... Um, they're probably fans of it through, say, Mario Galaxy. You start mm-hmm. talking about Mario Brothers 3 or Super Mario World, they're not going to know what the hell you're talking about. Those games have come and gone and uh, are outside of their generation, basically. It's not relevant to them. And as no. we discussed about this issue last time when the petition started up, you know, people's viewing habits have changed in the last 12 years from when Wing and DBZ were on. You know, back then you had really crappy 
broadband speeds, mm-hmm. much lower percentage of the population on broadband. You didn't have um, any iPads or tablets or anything that people are watching on. You didn't have any legal streaming services. I mean, Netflix back then was just DVDs by mail. There was no Hulu. Yeah. There was, there was a time when Sobro had to live before Hulu. Oh, yes, he did. Must have been That's... Dark Ages. Yeah, man, it was videotapes. <laughs> yeah. You know... There was there was no no Crunchyroll no ANN no Funimation.com. You should be watching. No doubt. <laughs> None of that stuff. All of that stuff has come and it has changed the way people watch stuff. And yes, cable TV is not dead, but people are moving away from watching stuff on cable TV. All of these big shows that are on cable, like The Walking Dead or Mad Men or Breaking Bad, people are watching those shows now more on. DVD and Blu-ray or on Netflix instant streaming than they are, say, on those um, networks. Well, well, I mean, on that point right there, when you get done with, like, watching Mad Men tonight, they'll, um, they'll say in the, like, the credits, download this now on iTunes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there are people you are right. who don't yeah. subscribe <laughs> to um, AMC, but they'll download those episodes, they'll buy a season pass on yeah. iTunes. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and then there's the illegal factor. <gasps> Obviously, oh, piracy oh, oh, has grown... A lot in the last 12 years. Hell, when Wing started airing, there wasn't even any BitTorrent yet. Hadn't been no. created. Yep. And the barrier to entry for piracy is much lower. Shiver me timbers. I mean, hell. It was tapes. There are so many things that are pirated. There's pirated rips of free over-the-air broadcasts, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect example of this. Um, you know, while Game of Thrones gets very, very big ratings for HBO mm-hmm. and has become a cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Part of that is due to people who just pirate this shit because <laughs> I know people that talk to me about how great this show is and I know for a fact they don't have HBO. HBO, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and if you look at it this way, big ratings for HBO is when 3, 4 million watch um, as opposed to broadcast TV where you have like 20 uh, to 25 million watching a show at the same time. So what is considered a hit on a premium station is not necessarily the same as a, a, a hit on, on, on broadcast TV. And, um, yeah, Game of Thrones, I, I think it really got its steam from, from people watching it um, through other means than on HBO. Yeah, so the point is that people's habits have changed. Someone, I think it was also on Toon Zone, said that he had very wonderful memories of coming home as a kid and watching Toonami, and he uh, wants, the glasses. you know, he, oh. wants, he wants kids to have that same experience, which is all nice and sweet, but that's not going to happen because it's, first of all, it's they're not bringing it back on the afternoons. It's just nope. Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. So that it's on little, Adult Swim. <laughs> that rose-tinted scenario is not happening. Oh, Number man. two, you're talking about a medium which is where kids and teenagers are not anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're the ones watching off the iPads and stuff. They're the ones who are watching stuff on Netflix and Hulu yep. or piracy because let's uh, let's not kid ourselves. So. Having a block of um, cable TV be this genesis for a new wave of anime, it ain't going to happen. And as always, it's this thing that anime fans have, have had that I keep talking about here, that they think that just one thing is the magic bullet that will solve all of anime's problems. <laughs> Toonami will be huge. All these companies will be rolling in money. All these shows will be coming over. And that's not the way it works. Perfect example of, of this issue of how... And then perfect another perhaps This is like my fifth perfect example. Sorry. But. <laughs> okay. There's so many. New, new Toonami. Let's say they're going to get some new shows because they're saying they're probably going to have some new shows on there. Right. A show that would be perfect. And if you haven't seen it, check out Chaos here because we've talked about it. Shameless plug. Mm-hmm. Tiger and Bunny. 
Have you seen Tiger and Bunny Soul, bro? I've seen a few episodes on uh, since it's on Hulu. I've been uh, I've been yeah, checking have, it out. No why doubt. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> I've been watching that in Persona, man. Those are freaking good shows. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> but there you go. Mm-hmm. You saw it on Hulu. This show started last spring in Japan and was simulcast by Viz on Hulu at the same time. So it's been on Hulu for over a year. Mm-hmm. The dub is still not done yet. Wow. Plus, there's no word on if Viz is going to have it aired anywhere, although you know, it would make sense to put it on the new Toonami given its American themes. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the point is, if you want to watch Tiger and Bunny, why are you going to wait this huge lag time for some company to dub it and put it on cable TV when you could have watched the entire show on Hulu by now? Yeah. And yes, that is sub, but there are tons and tons of shows on Hulu that you can watch. And this is not even Hulu Plus, where you can watch the entirety of them in Japanese or English. For example, One Piece. You can watch hundreds of episodes of One Piece, dub or subbed. Why would you need to wait for it to be on Toonami. It makes no sense. Same could be said for Dragon Ball as well. Uh, that's all on uh, that's all on uh, Hulu Plus as well, and you can you can knock that out in English or Japanese. And, so. and you can and you can watch Hulu on your phone or your on your tablet anywhere. You don't have to just go home and and yeah. Netflix. There's yep. apps. Yeah. There's apps for that. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> yeah, maybe not for Windows Phone, but I don't know. Yeah, it's on it's on Windows Phone. Netflix is anyway, not Hulu. But, oh, but uh, how sad for you. That's a story for another day. <laughs> That's a story for a never day. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> the point is that uh, things change and they don't stay the same. You know, from my childhood, I have great memories of watching shows like Transformers and mm-hmm. Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles. But the way things were when those shows were on is gone. It will never be the same way again. So all those fun memories that you have of watching Toonami, that's over. You know, it it was the the right place at the right time, but Mm -hmm. technology changes, viewership habits change, and lightning doesn't strike twice 12 years apart in this manner. The same thing could be said for Saturday morning cartoons. When we were growing up, they were, you know, every network had a block on Saturday mornings where you had cartoons. And they're all then, And we saw that die before our eyes in the late 90s. It just went. People started stopped watching. Um, People who did watch cartoons went on other things. And the younger set were watching Nickelodeon and those uh, basic cable channels on Saturday morning. And that just caused the big networks to phase that stuff out. Um, Same could be said for Toonami. At a time where Cartoon Network was desperate to have something in the afternoons where people could would actually watch someone had the genius idea of having a mixture of uh old shows from the 60s and then um really obscure you know animes and, and things like that to be blocked together and that formula worked especially with a few key shows and that's because anime wasn't readily available now i mean they are rebranding that saturday night block for adult swim for anime but Here's the truth of things. The anime block on Adult Swim is the lowest rated block out of all the blocks on Adult Swim. When they post the numbers, they're nothing in comparison to Family Guy. People would rather, all these college stoners would rather watch this weirdly animated shit or reruns of Family Guy for the zillionth time Mm -hmm. than ever watch Bebop or Gits or Fooly Cooly or any of that stuff. And here's another point. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget... It was Cartoon Network that killed Toonami two times to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> because Cause of low remember in those, in, those, in those glory days, they expanded it to three hours on weekdays. Yep. And it was on Saturdays. So and the midnight run. They had the midnight run. So you had Toonami everywhere. Yep. Then they, they killed the midnight run. 
Mm-hmm. And then they killed weekdays entirely, and they left it to this little Saturday night ghetto with no advertisement. Does anyone recall the horrible advertisements for Gundam Seed? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here? Horrible. Probably not, because you didn't see them. <laughs> I remember this show. So, and then they killed off a few years ago at Saturday Slot. So you want, you're, you're putting all this faith into the people who killed the product that you love so much to begin with. So... And 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 in their defense, careful what you ask for. And in their defense, there it's like you guys said there is there is data that shows that they're just not getting the you know they're not getting the ratings that everybody thinks they are. I mean, it's yeah. available and nobody's watching. So anime if really watching something, then you're just going to get rid of it. Anime rarely gets above six figures. Uh, rarely gets above uh, seven figures, uh, and not even that. They're usually in the mid six figures. Uh, it's it's the it's the the other original content and American cartoons that get you know in the millions of viewers. Um, I will say this: I I'm happy for the news mainly because I always enjoyed the format of Toonami. I love the presentation. I enjoy Steve Blum being the host. Um, I, even back then when Moltar was the host, way back when. But um, the thing I like about Toonami is that. You know, you came for the anime, but you stayed for the cool. And the thing that made Toonami cool was the way they had those little musical interludes between episodes of, of shows they were airing and just the way they packaged the whole block. I will tune in, you know, on occasion just to see that and to see, you know, what they're cooking up for presentation. And I, I hope it succeeds, at least on the level that they suspect it will. But um, I'm hoping they don't expect that it's going to be the cultural phenomenon that it was in the late 90s because those days are definitely gone. Most of the animes they're showing now, you can watch it other means on the internet, and it's going to be real tough for um, William Street to 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 get back what they had initially with Toonami. I, I don't I, I don't I don't want to sit here and burst everybody's bubble because that's my job. Know, that's that's Chris's job. But I, 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 I for every so often I could be a realist about things. Can man. we just move on? <laughs> I mean, All right. After a while, it's just we're. I'll spare Neo my... Well, hey, 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 wait. Mm. Don't interrupt. This is a moment here. We have Solbro <laughs> not hoping and dreaming about something that he absolutely should be hoping oh, okay. and dreaming about. Yeah. Don't kill the moment, man. This, okay. this is never going to come again. Please continue, Solbro. Please. <laughs> uh, like Let I said, it it, it's cool news, but it's not monumental news. You know what I'm actually more excited about? Uh, are two pieces of news that also came out from uh, Cartoon Network that got slept on. And Neil will be excited for, I think, at least one of these. Um, next month, Black Dynamite, the cartoon show, is up on uh, Adult Swim. Starts off. And then um, they just announced Boondock Season 4. And that was the news I freaking jumped out my seat for. So <laughs> it's, that's I was like, Tsunami. That, it's, 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 it's Cartoon Network. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's connected on that level. But they announced all three of these pieces of news the same day. So and, here you go. He's more excited about stuff that won't be on Toonami. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> the headline writes itself. So, bro, not excited about new stuff on Toonami. I just can't wait for those real Negro moments to come back. That's all. <laughs> but not on Toonami. <laughs> but they won't be on Toonami. Damn. Damn. So to wrap up, folks, you know, yes, I am here to crush your hopes and your dreams, but you'll thank me for it because when you have these pie-in-the-sky things of Toonami is going to resurrect Gundam and all anime in America... You're just setting yourself up for major, major, major disappointment. So open your eyes. See the reality. Is it fun that Tsunami's back? Sure. It's not going to be the revolution that everyone expects it is because viewers have moved on to newer methods and newer technologies. And Tsunami just literally cannot compete with that. You cannot compete with free streaming on these various sites or fan subs that are up within an hour or two of the Japanese broadcast. Yeah, that's, that's the big thing there. Yeah. And we live in an on-demand culture. We'll just want things mm-hmm. now, 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 now. 
Not gonna wait. Not gonna yeah, wait. Who's gonna want to wait a year to see X anime on Toonami when it's available now, legally or illegally? Yep. That's Amazing. something that neither Toonami nor any cable network can compete with. You cannot compete with now. <laughs> so there you go, hopers and dreamers. I've crushed your hopes and your dreams. Hopefully uh, you thank me for it someday. And if you're Eggman, go ahead and make your, your witty YouTube response. You know, <laughs> your charge of the light brigade for hopes and dreams of Toonami. Oh, Eric. <laughs> hey, man, yeah. You, Buddy, you asked for it when you stepped into that tsunami thread on, on Facebook, so <laughs> you make yourself a target, I'm going to come after you. Good times. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Sofa. Thank you, JLo1117, for your uh, article. Just don't put anything like that ever again, because I don't... <laughs> I'm going to have to sit here for nine hours oh, to listen I to all this. I would have talked about it whether it was in the news or not, so there's oh, yeah. no way you would have been safe from it. Nope. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, last couple episodes here. <laughs> need, to, need to struggle through. <laughs> Next one here comes from the Foul Sorcerers, and this is from Japaninator, and uh, this is uh, License Rescue. Japanator. 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 Mm-hmm. And uh, it's License Rescue, I guess a company called Nozomi? Is that's, right. uh, the right stuff. Oh, okay. wow. That's okay. their label for releasing old crap. Well, they're going to, uh, uh, they've resurrected, uh, Nadesco and they've done a release date and they're going to be doing, it's, uh, going to be not only the whole entire show, but also Prince of Darkness and some of those, uh, Geki Ganger OVAs. And Which, uh, you should be highlighting because ADV never released that. Never did. Yeah. I, I still own mine on VHS. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and um, the story mentions, so I'm a little soberoing it here, that it'll come mm-hmm. in like a nice chipboard box and all be remastered. Mm-hmm. And um, September 4th of this year is when it's going to be coming out. So This is all- something wow. I'm excited for because I have the old ADV release, which really stinks because it's very early days of, mm-hmm. of anime on DVD. Is and the, um, big, the big multi-disc box one? The, this is, they're all singles. No, I'm saying the one that you got. Oh, you got the singles. Oh, yeah, it's oh, the wow. DVD That's pretty old. Yeah, this yeah is okay. Old. And and the old ass release of the movie, which is in non anamorphic widescreen. Oh Jesus! So this new release has me excited because it sounds like it's in the style of the re-release for Utena. Mm-hmm. And if anyone out there has seen the re-release, it was gorgeous because not only did they have remastered video, but you know they had this really nice chipboard box, not the cheap like cardboard paper that so many box sets come in. Yeah, yeah. it came with. Um, and not to say that this release is going to have it, but just to show you the effort, each box set had um, booklets in it, very nice uh, booklets that were like 50 or 60 pages of interviews with the staff and uh, with background about the show. Really, really like AAA class release, kind of like we used to get back in the old days. So yeah. I'm wow. glad to see Nadesco getting this treatment of a nice box set and bringing everything together, both the TV show the unreleased Kiki Ganger and the god awful movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I, I wonder what other uh, what other. I mean, if they do go the the same treatment, I wonder if they'll give us a. I, I don't know if you guys ever watched Nadesco way back when when it was first coming out. Um, even before you got the VHS, license, sir. I, when, I, when they I, were putting it on those white videotapes of theirs. I watched it when um because we had a, a store in town where we could uh, get bootleg anime, and I watched the uh the the Japanese releases that that people fan subbed. 
and um this was like 97 or something um at the beginning of every volume there was like a little interview with one of the voice actors of the show for the japanese voice actors and i missed that i was thinking that the dvd releases would have that too but they actually um had a little intro for all the different voice actors that were involved in the show and i wonder if that'll end up being a, a little extra you never know DVDs. because um nozomi like when in the Utena box set, which included the the movie for that, uh-huh. it included uh, a commentary track that the director had made for the old CPM release, and they had a bunch of other video extras. So they've actually went out and sought all of this. They pretty much pre-produced exactly all of the stuff that was on the Japanese re-release. So mm-hmm. you know they haven't said what the extras going to be, but it is a possibility. Well, there's some uh, there's some good stuff here too. Um, within this link, there you can actually uh, pre-order a copy, and you can also submit questions to Tatsuo Saito, who's uh, one of the creators of Nadesco and stuff. So, um, and I guess the cutoff date is that is May 25th. So you only got a couple more days to do that. So, but the uh, actual box set's going to come out September 4th of this year. So. I'm gonna that double is. dip because uh, I that show needs an upgrade. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It does. It does. Uh, all right, Maybe I'll unload those old ones on uh, on Movie Stop or something. <laughs> I, ne- I I never was able to get the the um, the other ones, so I don't I don't even own it. So I, it's definitely something I it's missing from my collection. So thank you, Mr. Foul Sorcerer. And I'm sure Pedo Bear North will be pre-ordering as well, so that he can watch his beloved movie. Ooh. And throw and throw out the and throw out the disc for the series. Yes, because it's inferior. <laughs> Don't give me this trash. I just want my Prince of Darkness. It's much uh, better. It's kind of it's it's, it's kind of like when we buy the uh, X Men box set, we just throw out um throw out three. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Mister Falsource, first for your submission. The next one here is from Burtman Four, and this is actually for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, I already have the pre-order of this because I uh, I always do searches, and this is about a a new uh, animated uh, statue of the Admiral that's going to be exclusive at Comic Con. But you can also <laughs> go to this, and uh, you can actually pre-order it through the website here. So uh, through Q Q M X Online, and it looks good. The my only issue with it is I'd rather see him with the mag like killing the Cylon. That's my nice. best. That's what I'd rather have. But it's. Um, <laughs> Some some of the some of the some of the things they have here. Does they it have, come with a detachable mustache or attachable mustache? No, nah, it doesn't say that here, but it's a Comic-Con to simulate past Adama or, or future. Or future. Adama. <laughs> <laughs> it's a comic book. I'm gonna I just read you the blurb of what they have here. It's a Comic Con 2012 exclusive War Hero, brilliant strategist, respected leader. We've captured the essence of the steely Admiral Adama in this 110 scale maquette. Measuring 5.9 inches tall. It's hand painted, hand cast, polystone statue with the battle weary Adama evincing strength and resolve in a moment of reflection as he ponders his next step in humanity's struggle against the Cylons. Oh man, that's awesome. So, as, as you read that, does it make you get all tingly in your nether regions? No. <laughs> I, 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 almost feel like like... A, I almost feel, feel like a cry coming. Here, um, but no, it's uh, it's going to be just uh, there's only going to be a thousand of these issued, and uh, the price is only fifty nine bucks, which is a lot cheaper than the Admiral Adama action figures on Amazon because <laughs> those things are like eighty bucks. Good lord, <laughs> for those for a little bitty action figures, I'm like I know he's awesome, but man, that's a little little steep. But um, <laughs> thank you, Mister Burtman, and yes, I will have mine. Hopefully here shortly. Last one here is from Nasty Nate, and uh, this is um, you know 
there's a spinoff. You know that great uh, Capcom game, Lost Planet, that great franchise they have? Um, <laughs> the one, the yeah, one so, so big, especially that second one, which was you know, a total bomb. <clears throat> as in the bomb, as in the bomb. So, yes. Oh, my God. As in it bombed. <laughs> Well, there's going to be a uh, the Capcom's offer opened an official site for an offshoot from Lost Planet called EX Troopers, um, and it's basically yeah, you just got to go and look at this YouTube thing. Uh, this doesn't. I this looks like it's going to be garbage. <laughs> I mean, for a game that's coming in, in 2012, yeah, cell shading graphics in Jet Set from- Radio looked better. <laughs> Oh, damn. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, it's the stereotypical route of, like, high school students with robots, which I don't recall that being part of, of the main Lost Planet game. So they really go on the stereotypical Japanese route with this thing. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, they, have a, they have a promotional movie, character voice samples, and some Twitter icons. And, yeah, it's, just, it's got failure written all over. <laughs> I just want to know, uh, who, who was demanding a yes. Lost Planet anime-shaded spinoff who's demanding lost planet or or rather also i should ask who's demanding lost planet 3 which was also recently announced i don't know i honestly don't well <laughs> as someone on destructoid put it uh capcom is is the company that uh they listen to the desires of their fans as long as those desires don't involve Mega Man. oh <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so everyone that's a big fan of capcom lost planet uh now you got more stuff with ex troopers so definitely well, here, here's, a, here's a little mini review of lost planet courtesy of um general hate mm-hmm. okay uh he didn't like it oh the first one yeah shocking I first one. I, I, I i played like the first like eight levels of it and it's it was bad. <laughs> I played the demo, and I gotta say, you know, obviously the main representative of the whole game, but um, you know, plotting through the snow is not fun. No, and trying to find those little uh, uh, warm bubbles. I mean, uh, yeah, just just not not a good move. Yeah, I agree with the admiral or the uh, general there. So. Um, so thank you, Mr. Nasty Nate, for your submission, and uh, thank you, everyone, for um, any submissions that you have. And if you have anything, always put it in the Neo's Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. So uh, I guess I'll put this over, back over to Chris to take us to our, our actually would be our, our second topic after <laughs> Tsunami, huh? <laughs> Almost, almost. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to discuss Season 1 of Transformers Prime. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. What did the anime addicts say when asked who would win in a battle between a magical girl and a team of Pokemon? 
who doesn't want to spin around glow and have all their clothes fly off? Anime. The battle stops when you do it. You don't have to worry about getting shot. Like, no one ever thinks, oh my god, she's changing. Quick, shoot her. Addicts. First of all, I would say that my Pokemon would not be enticed by your nakedness. 12-year-old breasts and ass are not going to entice my wait, Charmander. Wait. Anonymous. I'm eating a sandwich <laughs> calling my bookie because I just stomped your ass. Podcast. Visit the Anime Addicts at www.aaapodcast.com and iTunes. I thought they smelled bad on the outside on the subject of Cowboy Bebop. So, but anyway, going back to uh, the good parts that I missed. All right, uh, phase boobs. Phase boobs. <laughs> I have to about say that yet, was but... not a good part for me. That's something I didn't really pay attention to. I enjoyed the boobs. Thirteen-year-old, thirteen-year-old uh, adolescent David would like to have an argument with you, ma'am. Oh, I can see how you would have enjoyed that. Hey, it's just—are you more of a leg person? Is that why you weren't looking at her boobs? Because her <laughs> legs are nice too. No, it's just that you see, I have my own set. I really don't need to worry about hers. That's the best argument I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I think uh... that conversation. There's no way for me to Congratulations, you won the show. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Please check our website at sbopodcast.blogspot.com. Open. God damn it, open! Prime, you said the Matrix would light our darkest hour. Magnus! I want the Matrix! Never! Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. And in this segment, we're going to finally uh, review a, uh, an animated series that uh, kicked off back in 2010. Um, you might know of this series because it's based on a long-running toy franchise that um, we uh, all, a lot of us here listening to the show have grown up with in some way, shape, or form. It is Transformers Prime, and it's currently airing. I thought you were going to say uh, My Little Pony, Friendship oh, is Magic. Or Zoids. Uh, word up to all my bronies, but no, not really. <laughs> No, sorry, Eggman. <laughs> I'm staying far away from that. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> much like My Little Pony, it airs on the hub. <laughs> Indeed it does. It is a show that exists on, on, on a hub, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And and it started up not too long after the channel kicked off. Uh, first, they uh, got everybody's appetite wet by showing uh, G1 Transformers, which uh, is what uh, we three uh, grew up with. But uh, then they finally premiered Transformers Prime in grand fashion by having a uh, kind of a miniseries slash movie. And uh, it's all rendered in 3D, much like uh, the previous series, uh, Beast Wars and Beast Machines. Um, not done by the same company, though. But uh, it, it, it's, it's, it, I would say that um, 
there might if you watch those shows then you you'll feel right at home with this one with the way the show looks um it kicks off with a uh, a mini series where you find out that uh the Transformers themselves are, are already on Earth, and there was a Big conflict. <laughs> there was a conflict three years prior when they first arrived, which put the Decepticons into hiding. But uh, there's a ragtag group of Autobots that are patrolling uh, Jasper, Nevada, and uh, there you I thought it was have... Wyoming. <laughs> no, no, it's it's Nevada, man. Which makes me wonder Is why it? they haven't. Yeah, <clears throat> mm-hmm. it makes me wonder why they haven't gone to Vegas yet. But I'm sure that'll happen sometime. But um, the ragtag bunch consists of... Uh, On a very special episode of Transformers Prime, Raphael learns the dangers of gambling. <laughs> <laughs> and prostitution. He can't get enough of that uh, online poker. <laughs> hey, guys, it's like hacking. It's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, and the, 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 the series opens up with... Uh, Cliffjumper, one of the Transformers, and uh, he's on patrol talking to RC over uh, comm radio. And RC is uh, in this rendition of Transformers. She is a motorbike, uh, much like in the uh, the Michael Bay movies. Oh boy, <laughs> she's just one motorbike though, not three like she was in that one. Exactly, exactly. She's much cooler in this TV show, most definitely. But uh, they're talking back and forth. They're on the patrol for Decepticon activity or Energon, and um, Cliffjumper comes across uh, Decepticons. Um, at a uh, energon, at an energon uh, uh, mining uh, facility or wherever they they they. Are we talking just about episode one today? No, no, we're not. But uh, for the most part, uh, Cliff Jumper takes him on by himself, gets captured and killed, uh, which is pretty pretty severe for uh, for Transformers because you really don't uh, before this you really didn't see too many Transformers get killed except for in special occasions like uh, Transformers the movie and I guess Beast Wars. But um, that kicks off the events of the series where uh, the Autobots realize that the Decepticons are back. Um, without their leaders, uh, Megatron at first and Starscream's running them. And, um, this ragtag bunch of, uh, Transformers led by Optimus Prime have to, uh, uh, take on the, uh, the new Decepticon forces. Uh, Megatron shows up eventually and comes back with something, uh, a, a new energy source called Dark Energon, which is, uh, which it's comes from virus. Uh, yeah, pretty much the T virus, <laughs> or uh, like Dark Eco from Check and Daxter. <laughs> Let's do cool stuff. Exactly. It, it's its origin comes from uh, Unicron, which we all know from Transformers the movie, but um, he's reimagined in this series as well. And uh, Megatron wants to not only uh, utilize this Dark Energon. Uh, because he wants to come in contact with Unicron, but to also utilize it for his own purposes by bringing back dead Transformers. And um, he puts a piece of the dark energon in him so that he can manipulate anything that has uh, dark energon in it. And um, it all the, the miniseries comes to a head as uh, Megatron tries to bring back the dead population of Cybertron uh, through the space bridge, which is stationed outside of Earth's orbit. And the Autobots foil him and Megatron almost dies in the process. As the season goes on, uh, Megatron is rehabilitated. Um, all sorts of adventures ensue as the Autobots and their human friends, which they um, come into contact with in the miniseries, Jack Darby, Miko Nakadai, and Raphael Esquivel, um, they all go on uh, different missions and um, have adventures and, and damn near death-defying uh, <laughs> experiences. And all leads up to a, conf- uh, a, uh, a showdown between Optimus Prime and Megatron, uh, uh, over the uh, over over Dark Energon and whatnot, until they realize that they both have a common en- enemy in Unicron, and they go to the center of the Earth's core in order to face off with Unicron, and that's when some serious shit goes down. But before we get into that, I, I'm going to turn it over to 
Chris to give his opinions on the show since he was the first one to watch it out of the three of us. Yes, uh, I popped in when they uh, first aired the five-episode miniseries mm-hmm. in uh, Thanksgiving of 2010, sort of a kickoff. And I understand that they were on some kind of a rush job on this with these first five episodes, and it kind of shows in the first episode because the animation's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, there were parts of, like, Beast Wars Season 3 that looked better than this first episode, and I haven't seen the Blu-ray to know if they fixed it, but it was a really bad rush job, and for this to be the first episode doesn't give you the best of impressions, but as soon as you watch the second episode... You know, you see an immediate bump up in quality. Mm-hmm. So definitely what caught me was, um, you know, going into this, I was, of course, disappointed that we weren't getting a fourth season of Animated on Cartoon Network because they were building up so well to a fourth season. And the finale on that show was totally lacking, just added on last minute to the season finale. Right. So understand me, I was like, you know, this show's going to have to prove itself to live up to how good Animated was. And um, it does, you know, this being the hub, this new rebranded Discovery Kids, I thought they would be kind of more kitty focused, which I guess is the target they're reaching with this other show that's running now called Transformers Rescue Bots. Oh. Which I have not seen, but looks ultra kitty focused. <laughs> That's not a knock. I'm just saying that's that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised by how uh, adult, so to speak, this show was. That you had Cliff Jumper getting killed pretty brutally yeah. within the first five minutes. Great, great stunt casting there with the Rock, all all there for all of three or four minutes. <laughs> and, and 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 then resurrected a couple episodes later as a zombie. As a zombie, just a screaming, wailing zombie. Yeah, bloodthirsty zombie. Or Energon um, Thirsty. This whole thing of, you know, Megatron using Dark Energon to raise the corpses of all of the dead Transformers who had fought in battles in ages past on Earth. I mean, and the environments. It's, it's, it's much more intense than I expected for a show aimed at kids. Yes. And what I like about the mechanical designs is that they're kind of a common ground, the middle ground between the designs in animated and in the survey movies. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I would say, and I don't know if Neo would agree with me, that the designs all around in this show are better than any of the designs in the survey movies. They're I know. They're busy in the movies, but I think that's just because of the movie, I guess. I they're, don't know. They're busy, but also with the Decepticons, you can't tell any of them apart, which is something we've talked about in the past. Yeah. Here, all the Decepticons, I'm not talking about the, the grunt model soldier. I mean, the individual characters, yeah. they are all easily distinguishable. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never going to confuse Starscream for Megatron or for Breakdown or anyone else. Yeah. You know, they all are distinct. The only thing that bugs me a little bit about the um, the design style is with Optimus. Oh, when his awesome. When his battle mask is open and he has that mouth, it's totally Lego mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Which just looks kind of silly. It does look weird. <laughs> I was like, I would just wish he'd keep his mask on. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish he would keep his mask closed the whole time. But I guess ever since animated, he's got to have the, the mask open when he's talking and then only have it closed when he's fighting. But whatever, it's just a little minor thing. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed the, the miniseries and it got me greatly excited for the rest of season one, which started up a few months later. All right. Well, um, uh, Neo, what were your initial thoughts for the series when you watched it? Um, well, I, I had watched it probably about a month ago, and um, 
no, it's it's definitely different. Um, it, it's you could definitely see from the beginning, it's got a a, a more uh, like you said, a more adult feel, especially for something that's on a station that is you know catering more towards kids. But uh, definitely has a little bit darker feel. Um, you know the the way that they kind of uh, do the characters, I especially like the way they make Starscream, who they just make him. I mean, as much of a weasel as he is in all the <laughs> other incarnations, he's even much more of one in this one and that he's got basically battered wife syndrome when it comes to the Decepticons. <laughs> like he really hates being with these guys, but he just knows that he's got nowhere else to go. And I mean, even the whole thing when the episode where supposedly he switches sides, it's like, Oh, he's just doing it just to, you know, just to deliver one of you Autobots to, to Megatron. So he could be in his good graces. And, um, but um, yeah, the whole thing with the dark energon is very interesting, especially with the the fact that it makes uh, makes the dead uh, transformers into like these mindless killing zombies. And I mean, they're like it, it is so it's so like regular zombie way. It's it's ridiculous because that <laughs> that episode where they're having to fight all the dead warriors when they transfer all the dead uh, robots from. Cybertron, it's like, oh my god, <laughs> and I mean, and then and then after the fight, you actually see, you know, you actually see the Autobots and stuff. They're visibly like tired and everything, not just saying, oh, my power is low, but they're, you know, they actually make it where they're visibly exhausted from having to deal with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the uh, the the way that they, uh, like Chris said, the you know, the distinguishing. Uh, how you can distinguish a lot of the, the robots, especially the Decepticons. Uh, you know, I like that they made um, Soundwave a droid, a drone, and he doesn't talk. <laughs> and it makes him does, ultra creepy. And yeah. when he does say something, it's usually the recording when he spies on somebody, and he just sits there and he's just got this kind of blank look on his face um, that he's just really saying "f off" to everybody. I hate everyone. <laughs> And, Except uh, Megatron, of course. <laughs> even, you know, he even gives him a little bit of that too. It's, I mean, he's he's much more, you know, he's much more, um, you know, loyal to him. Um, but you know, I, I that I thought that was really cool. The when they finally do do the whole um, Orion Pax, uh, what was he? Mega Megatronus. Megatronus. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that whole that whole speaking of how they got together and how you know Prime became prime i kind of like the way that they did this because it's done many a times but it's always been you know it's it's a little i don't know just a, a little lacking this one it really meant something it's like you know he brian pax he was just some worker robot and you know his his favorite gladiator was megatronus and i mean he looked up to this guy and then the guy completely screwed him over and you know, well and then he, the thing about that is as cool as that setup is I wish we could have actually seen all of that mm-hmm. rather than just have Ratchet spit it out as a bunch of exposition over yeah. a bunch of uh, screenshots. Story time with Ratchet. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, that whole background, I think, would have been worthy of, say, a full episode. Yeah. Or, or two. I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, but... You know, I mean, at least it is. It is what it is, and at least we got what we got. Yeah, but I, I do like the the route that they go, and and uh, I also like what they do at the end of season one. Spoiler alert with uh, Unicron, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, he's a planet, but and he's floating in space, but uh, he's not the way that you, you you think of him, or he's been shown before. He's actually in the Earth. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just he's in the Earth. He, he is, is the Earth. earth. Mm. He's very much the planet we live on. <laughs> 
um, you know, Prime and Megatron band together to fight a common enemy. And at the end, uh, Prime lost his memories and mm-hmm. uh, he goes off with the Decepticons. And <laughs> <laughs> gets branded as one even. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hell of, hell of a... Um, season cliffhanger. Season yeah. cliffhanger. And thankfully, not the one you're expecting, which is... Optimus sacrifices himself yet again to stop <laughs> to stop uh, Unicron. Yeah, because as Megatron of Beast Wars pointed out <clears throat> at the end of season one, when he caused Optimus Primal to die, he says something to the effect of, "You Primes sure have a thing about sacrificing yourself." It's like, yeah, that's that that is true. <laughs> and, and, it, and it was nice to to see that that they, you know, they avoided that trope. Yeah. Because it, it's so, so easy far. to go in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So far. So far, I should say, because we're only in the middle of season two so far. Yeah. <laughs> Cliff, season two cliffhanger. Prime dies. <laughs> Bring in Are Ultra you spoiling Magnus. stuff? It's Bring inevitable. In Bring in Ultra Magnus. <laughs> and my last thing is the mm. kids aren't too annoying, even though you do go through a, a section there of oh, what of how Miko somehow Stuck does on the ground yeah, bridge snuck along and did you know, something stupid and now they gotta instead of just you know preventing the decepticons from doing something they gotta save her so <laughs> but yeah uh, all the time <laughs> but yeah um any, any other thoughts sir no oh well well uh, i know when i i i've got i guess it i got an soul though yeah it lacked heart and soul <laughs> What Transformer series has heart and soul besides the original? None of them. <laughs> Let's not we, go there. Of course, we mean that sarcastically. Um, yeah, I, I, when I when I started when I caught a glimpse of the show when it first air, it started airing on the hub, I wanted to record it, but uh, you know my DVR D- just DVR was too full. My DVR was too full apparently, so it didn't it didn't capture it. But um, recently, <laughs> of course, uh, it shows uh, it's this the first season showed up on Netflix, and Paul Paul jumped right on top of that. It's funny that. how fast that you can watch stuff when it's on Netflix. Oh yes, sir, boy! Isn't that quickness? Oh, yeah. Quickness, because it's convenient to watch, man. It's crazy. But um, Paul got on it first, and then I, I finally got on it uh, a, f- a few weeks later, and um, I was really taken aback by the show. I finished it in four days, and I was hooked. I I I couldn't believe that this a Transformer series was as engaging as this one, and how many callbacks. It had to the original G1 series that it would even question the G1 series' logic <laughs> in a lot of episodes. Uh, one of the episodes in particular that blew my mind was when they started talking about Cybertron. Um, does it have a breathable atmosphere? And, and you know, no one can answer these questions, but they took precautions to make sure that when, uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, You're talking about season two now. I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, shit. But um, still, there, there, there are things that would logically gut check the original series. And I, I love how fast the pace in this show is. Especially when Megatron figures stuff out, like uh, when Bumblebee hacked into his, uh, when they when they transferred Bumblebee's consciousness into the, the comatose Megatron's mind in order to get the uh, the cure for the, the 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 virus from that one ship that Optimus Prime and uh, Ratchet stumbled into, and um, how quickly just just how how these characters can just ascertain the situation as opposed to dragging it out and just making for just cannon fodder for episodes. There's not one episode that seemed wasted in this series, and I even thought that the kids would 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 lead into just just dumb episodes. But hey, uh, I could have done with a few less. Uh oh, Miko snuck along episode yeah. they, kinda, yeah. they did that a little bit too much mm-hmm. in season one and she was also kind of grading at times but they yeah. they definitely toned that down in season especially, oh, yeah. especially the one where uh what was it the 
they they get um, chased with Skyfire. Yes. In the in the um, in the mid, in, in the in the sub dimension. I mean yeah. Skyquake. Skyquake. Or Skyquake. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that, and get your names right, or the people are gonna pounce on you, man. <laughs> That's okay. But You're but more it, so than when you mispronounce Japanese names. <laughs> Heart and soul guy will be on me. He will be, man. <laughs> How did you say Skyfire when he was clearly Skyquake? Oh my god, didn't you just pay any attention to the show, which sucks anyone because it's not Generation One, which had Heart and Soul, and this one doesn't. It's oh. just an attempt to sell toys of Optimus. <laughs> oh, the travesty! <laughs> stop! Stop! <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, just just the fact that this show you know flows very well, and you can see that this show to me seems like it has people writing for it that were fans of the original series and Transformers all all, all along. But they wanted to make it so that you know it, it when you go back and watch this show, it doesn't seem like absolute bullshit. Because also on Netflix is Generation One of Transformers as well, and if you go and you watch those episodes of that show, it it falls so short of this show. It's it's not even funny. And, uh, it is so because. <laughs> There are so many things that are just making no sense there. Like, mm-hmm. just small, like, for example, why, okay, so they have the Cybertronian vehicle forms at the beginning of the series. Right. Yet, why is it in their robot modes they look like they do on Earth? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if Starscream, like, is some kind of weird flying pyramid thing, mm-hmm. why does his robot mode look with, like, it has F-14 parts exactly like how he is on Earth? Exactly. They didn't think about that stuff. Or the two or three different origin stories they have for the Constructicons. Mm -hmm. Like, were they built on Earth or did they exist on Cybertron beforehand? We can't decide. (laughs) It's both. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, it, it, instead in this series, you know, their the robot forms are pretty alien looking. Um, and and you know, you you can tell kind of what they will be in in um on on Earth, but not as blatantly obvious as it was when <laughs> when you watch the original G one series. Well, ever but, since Beast Wars, they've taken care to to deal with that issue. Plus, of course, they realized, oh my God, we can sell even more toys. Cybertronian exactly. modes. Yes, indeed. Why didn't we think of this before? <laughs> exactly. Another Which way to cash in. So, boy, did they cash in on that with animated Cybertronian Ooh. modes for everybody. Wow, I had no idea. Pretty that's much. Fre- that's freaking awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. They had Cybertronian modes for t- at least for the Autobots for a bunch of them. And then recolors of, oh, this Bumblebee. Oh, this is the Cybertronian cliff jumper now because it's in red, for example. <laughs> that's wild stuff, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for, for the most part, even the character's depiction in this show is, is amazing to me. Prime, he was kind of unevenly written in Generation 1, but in this show, he, the writing for all the characters are very consistent. Prime is pretty much serious all the time, you know, no bones about it. He doesn't even, he doesn't even laugh. <laughs> Someone, uh, someone, call, I forget which character called him out on that when uh, they were trying to get him to watch a stupid video, and he just turned him down. Uh, it was a YouTube video of something that they were trying to watch, and they wanted to show it the prime and asked if he was interested in seeing it, and his word was no. <laughs> <laughs> just straight up no bones about it because he's too focused on the job man of leader and he's he's definitely um worth his complete salt as leader um ratchet who was uber friendly in the uh in generation one is this crotchety old autobot man that uh who, who, who means well, but at the same time kind of wants to keep his distance from the humans when humans get involved. In That's well, kind show. of in keeping with how he was uh, depicted in animated because he was also a crotchety old man yeah. there, too, with Cybertronian uh, five o'clock shadow. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> well, he's clean shaven in this one, but yeah, he's still he's still ever the hard case. 
And then you have characters like Bumblebee, who doesn't speak, much like in the uh, the Michael Bay movies. He makes noises because his voice box was damaged by Megatron. But, um, you know, he, he still communicates. And at least one of the humans, his human, I, I guess I would say, his familiar, uh, Raphael. His human familiar. <laughs> his human familiar, Raphael, <laughs> understands everything he's saying. <laughs> human familiar. Little, I don't know why that's so funny, but it is. His little buddy. <laughs> his little friend. Which, which actually, I wanted to bring up that uh, when I was reading the behind the scenes of the show, they took something that I thought was really amazing. They they looked at the Iron Giant as an example of how they wanted the dynamic between the humans and the Autobots to be, and I think that was an amazing way to go with this because you can see that in Jack's relationship with RC and with uh, Miko's relationship with Bulkhead and of course Bumblebee and Raphael. And how they just, you know, they, 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 they work very well together and they complement each other. Even though Miko is my least favorite human in the bunch. <laughs> well, I haven't seen the Iron Giant, so I can't comment on that. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I do like, another trope that they averted, is that up to now, the main human is always paired with Bumblebee. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that Jack was instead paired with RC, who is... Um, you know, the awesome, like, motorcycle ninja. Mm-hmm. Fights like uh, Bruce Lee as well in some scenes. <laughs> yeah, and I like that they stuck Bumblebee with somebody else. Yeah. Because yeah. You, get, you get kind of tired of, oh, here's the main human. Mm-hmm. Guess he's going to be, he or she will be friends with Bumblebee. Which was, which, which was shocking. I didn't think they would pair, uh, I thought they would pair Jack easily with Bumblebee, and he, he, Jack would be the, the stand-in for Shia LaBeouf, you know, Neo's favorite actor. Yeah. <laughs> Bumblebee! Uh-huh. Or all those guys, or all those guys, you know. Also, I like that uh, RC got a makeover and is actually a useful badass now, and she's like black and blue with just little hints of pink, just as sort of a callback to her her old version. But yeah, Generation One RC compared to this one, no. No comparison. Yeah. I was I was wondering when uh if Springer will ever show up in this show because I I, I kind of missed the pairing between her and Springer. But uh other than that, RC is a total badass in the show. When uh what's her name uh the the spider uh transformer A- uh, Arachnid. Oh, Arachnid. My God, Which, how, how could I sleep on that? <laughs> that is such a stupid name. And what mm-hmm. I want to know is, I mean, Arachnid is an awesome character because she's just so devious. Yeah. Why the hell didn't they just call her Black Arachnia? That's clearly who she is supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, didn't the character exist in uh, Beast Wars? Yeah, that's where Black Arachnia was. Black, Black Arachnia yeah. first showed up, and yeah. um, yeah, and there was a Black Arachnia in animated as well. Goodness, mm-hmm. I don't know why they didn't call her that then. I don't know because Arachnid, that is just such a dumb name. That's 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 a long, that's something with like Evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much <laughs> it's just it's such an easy it's such an easy name you know it's it's like oh arachnid okay she's she's a spider she controls the insecticons in season two she's dark colored just freaking call her black arachnia <laughs> just cut right to the chase <laughs> but yeah she um arachnid she uh she actually makes for some of the best episodes in the series and her her rivalry with, with rc is is really intense. Every time they are on the screen with each other, they're just duking it out. You just um, see the hatred between the two of them. And usually severe. with Autobots, you know, they're always like they're all good and clean and everything, but you know, with RC, like you can really feel the hatred she has for Black Arachne and how it can mm-hmm. sometimes blind her, right. you know, and um how she just wants to get revenge for her fallen partner. 
Yeah, more so than the rivalry between Bulkhead and uh, Breakdown. Breakdown. And, oh, well, they're breakdown. just two big fat guys who hate each other. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> and they kind of get past that um, when, it, when it comes to those two. They kind of get past that uh, a little bit when um, Bulkhead comes to his rescue when uh, Mech, the uh, human terrorist group, with, with the leaders voiced by uh, Clancy Badass Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually the rivalry doesn't matter anymore for for obvious reasons. Obvious reasons, uh, i.e., season two. <laughs> but yeah, uh, for the most part, I was really, I really taken aback when watching this show, and just to see the stakes that were raised in this show, and that characters can actually get killed off, and then the characters can get effed up. You know, there's a lot of humor in this show, but at the same time, uh, any character can get can get killed. Uh, I, I I honestly have that feeling. I, I mean, toy sales notwithstanding. Um, you know, several characters have died throughout the course of, of this series so far, leading all the way up to where we are in season two. And, um, I, I, it's, it just seems like they really have a flow when writing the show and how it plays out. And, and, and I also wanted to, to touch upon the performances in the show since we talked well, about characters. Well, for that, mm-hmm. I just had one last general comment, which By is. By all means. You can definitely see that they've set up a continuity for this show because mm-hmm. you see so many things linking together, like all the stuff with the dark energon leading up to, that really awesome fight between Megatron and Optimus in front of that volcano mm-hmm. where it looks like Optimus is fighting to kill Megatron, but then it starts erupting dark energon and the tides totally turn. Ooh. Yeah. And then it leads into, you know, that three part finale against Unicron, which then continues into a couple of continuing threads in season two. So I'm glad to see that they're not afraid of story arcs in this show because this show has definitely gotten way more arc heavy in season two, and I've enjoyed yes. it. I, I, just just to add to that, um, I guess they created a Bible for this show. Oh, oh my God! Some 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 um, one particular reviewer out right there must here. be excited. <laughs> but they created a Bible for this show, and on top of that, for those who played uh, the War on Cybertron and the up and one the upcoming game uh, Fall of Cybertron, that actually factors into the backstory for this show. I didn't know that until I was reading yes. up on it. So if we, if you haven't watched Prime yet, but you enjoyed the, the at least the game that came out a few years back. You're gonna really enjoy the show because things that were introduced in that game carry over into the TV show here. So, and yeah. and the funny thing is, my last general comment. Mm-hmm. You know, this show was developed by Alex Kurtman and Roberto Orchi, who wrote the first two Survey movies. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I don't know how extensive their involvement is with this after creating the world and doing the setup, but what they did in this series is way better than anything they did in the movies. <laughs> in the movies, honestly. <laughs> Clearly, clearly, they can definitely look back and see this as their best product of uh, of Transformers. Period. Aside uh, from the big ass paychecks, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> but um, man, uh, we'll we'll go into the uh the, to the voices then because uh, I know this is definitely uh something I wanted to touch upon. Uh, the, uh, there's a few character, there's a few voice actors that actually carry over from the original Transformers series and and the uh, the movie at least in one regard, um, into this. Um, series as well. And I don't know if any voices carried over from uh, Transformers Animated. Chris would enlighten me on that. But um, when it comes to the voice of Optimus Prime, of course, Peter Cullen comes in to, uh, to definitely uh, blow up the spot when it comes to the voice of Optimus Prime, as he always does. And um, returning to the voice of Megatron, which he also voiced him in the, uh, the War and Cybertron game, is the original voice for Megatron, which is uh, uh, Frank Welker who is a complete beast when it comes to voice acting. He's literally a beast. A literally a beast. He, he plays lots of animals. No doubt. I mean, that's but what he has that- a resume <laughs> that is so long. Although 
I think it's great that he gets to come back and play the better Megatron this time because yes. yeah. Megatron in, in Generation 1 was such a retard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what kind of dumb plan do I have today to take over the Earth that is easily foiled? And how long will I put up with Starscream's like, constant betrayals mm-hmm. and usurpation of my power? You know? And then it was even worse when he became Galvatron. Because oh, then he, yeah. was he was crazy just crazy and dumb then. on top of that. Exactly. So, and, and it's a, a very subtle performance as well. Um, the thing about Megatron is like nothing, nothing phases this guy. Mm-hmm. There's, um, and this is this is a season two thing, but I'm not going to get into any spoilers. But Solbro doesn't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. There's this uh, episode where he's getting attacked from all sides by different people, <laughs> and he just deals with it. And he's like, "Busy day for assassins." No doubt. <laughs> he's just so freaking zen. All these people are trying to kill him in massive waves. And it doesn't even bother him. And he, he exhumes the, 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 the persona of a gladiator, which, of course, is his background, which was nice to know. I did not know that about Megatron, or maybe that was invented for this series. But, you know, that it goes into his, uh, his, his character so much, the fact that he can, he can take on masses and just, and just lay them to waste. And he's unfazed by, by, by hopeless situations because he's survived so many. He's he's not like his generation one counterpart, someone who just screams a lot and rages impotently. <laughs> you know, personally, I would rank this Megatron not just because of the way he's written, but the fact that it's Frank Welker doing it. Yes, I would say amongst the top Megatrons along the lines in company of the Beast Wars Megatron and the animated Megatron. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. Now, in animated, was he also voiced by Frank Welker? Uh, no, he was not. No. Oh, someone else. Damn, I did not know so there, that. There's nobody from animated that is involved in um, Prime, at least not in a major role. Maybe someone doing some background voice, but mm-hmm. it's, gen- it's generally a, an all-new cast for, for Prime compared to animated. Although, of course, it's worth noting, since I just mentioned Beast Wars Megatron, that uh, our eternal uh, robot friend David Kay, who mm-hmm. did Beast Wars Megatron, was Prime in animated. Oh, wow. Okay, did not know that. I, I thought uh, I thought Peter Cullen might have been prime and animated, but wow, no one since no one had any kind of uh, involvement. Man, that, dang. <laughs> nope, he, he took over the title from Gary Chalk. So, but David Kay is the man all yes. day. But anyway, back but, to prime. But yes. Back to Prime. Just to run down uh, some of the some of the key voice actors that are in here. Uh, Josh Keaton, who a lot of people know as the the voice, the current voice of Spider Man. No, not uh, the current voice of Spider Man. Oh, in the previous series, that's right. He was spectacular Spider Man. He was spectacular Spider Man. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Chris, Chris, do you just want to do this? He's going to get every one of them wrong. Well, hey, hey, hey I, I, I'm pulling Neos here. Here we go. <laughs> No, Joss Keaton, who was uh, the previous voice for Spider-Man, is the voice of Jack Darby in this. <laughs> and, and who is still doing him in video games. And in video games, uh, like uh, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I was thinking more like actual Spider-Man, Spider-Man games, games. But, of course, <laughs> leave it to Soulbro to mention Capcom games. I got to wedge it in, man. Shoehorn all day. I know uh, you do. That's <laughs> what you do. Uh, Jeffrey Combs is the voice of Ratchet. A lot of people might know Jeffrey Combs from his many, many, many roles in different Star Trek series. So. So, um, a very familiar voice. Um, you have couldn't have uh, picked anyone better for this incarnation of Ratchet. N- no doubt, his voice is so characteristic, and he just embodies his crotchety self. <laughs> if you've watched DS Nine, you know him both as Wei Yun mm-hmm. and the Ferengi Inspector Brunt. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Which exactly. he actually managed to play both of them in the same episode one time. So what? 
kids? Yes, <laughs> the guy's got skills. He does. Uh, he was a, actually a, a, he was he auditioned for the role of Riker in uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation way back when, but uh, Jonathan Frakes got it. So um, I guess as a consolation, they just used him as a character actor in so many of the other Star Treks from there on out. But um, going on to other characters, uh, Stephen Blum, who we mentioned in the first segment, uh, as we uh, as we lovingly know as Slurpy Spike, is uh, the voice of Starscream in this series. And I gotta say that Starscream, Starscream's original voice, Chris Lotta, is very hard to top. Absolutely hard to top. Even though uh, those episodes were dumb, um, his performance was, it was, was honestly one of the best ones, but he passed away, of course, in the early 90s. Um, so it was big shoes to fill. And I think, uh, Stephen Blum did it, has done it so far very well. Uh, yeah, he think. just, it's so amazing that Slurpy Spike because his Starscream <laughs> is so weaselly and conniving. <laughs> I mean, this guy flip-flops in a way that would even shock Mitt Romney. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he'll be ready to kill Megatron in one second and be like, look, there's, Opti- there's Optimus Prime over there. Let's go get him. <laughs> he might as well shave up. so freaking weasel. He will do anything to save his skin and betray anyone any countless number of times for his own purposes. Just, just in the blink of an wants. eye. Exactly. Like, it's like I said, that episode where he supposedly changes sides it's so obvious in there because he's all back and forth <laughs> he might as well make his own logo at this point <laughs> pretty much because he is definitely playing for himself but uh yeah expertly voiced by uh steven blum and uh rc is voiced by sumali montano who i'm not all, the, all that familiar with but she does a great job as rc um definitely brings out the toughness of the character yet um there's a kindness to her as well bumblebee has uh no voice actor at all it's just bleeps and bloops from him <laughs> But uh, it, it, it's it's still very charming and endearing how they how they vocalize this character. Uh, Bulkhead is voiced by one of my favorites, which is Kevin Michael Richardson. Yes. Who, who if you watch a lo- if you watch the Boondocks, he's practically in every damn episode. <laughs> Dude, this guy is in practically every cartoon period in the last five or ten years. Hey, very true. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh he's he's a very notable voice and uh he's he's a he's a african african-american voice actor as well and um he's he, he plays bulkhead with with um he just he just has a lot of fun doing that character you can he's tell. one of those guys who just has a booming voice that has a presence of very much along the lines of say like a a keith david or yes. a tony todd who tony is of todd. course also in this series Hell, but not yes, in season one <laughs> not in season one but yeah tony todd uh you'll be introduced to him later on in season two but yeah bulkhead real uh kevin michael richardson really does a great job with him um getting into some of the um the other kids you have, um, I had mentioned earlier about Jack, but Miko Nakada is voiced by Tanya Gunati. I guess she's, um, I'm not familiar with a lot of her work, but for being such a scrappy character, she does a very good job um, doing her voice as well. And then uh, Anthony, Andy Persoa does a voice of uh, Raphael Raph Esquivel. Um, jumping into some of the enemies of the show, you have, as I mentioned, uh, Clancy hey, hey, Brown. Hey, man, you're, you're skipping over. Oh, 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 yes, Agent Fowler. Agent Fowler, man. Agent Good old Fowler. Ernie oh. Hudson. Oh, freaking Winston Zedmore, man. Winston could... Zedmore, dude. I told totally you. the guy's props. Yeah, absolutely. Ernie Hudson uh, does the voice of uh, the Autobots liaison to the American military, which is uh, William Bill Fowler. And uh, he uh, he's always, he's, he's almost as grouchy, at least at the beginning of the show. As uh, <laughs> as uh, what's his name, Ratchet, but uh, he lightens up much like Ratchet does, and becomes a fun character, especially when he gets beat up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> always a punching bag, the human punching bag. That's William Fowler. But one of the um, a very good episode in season two. He he really gets a a, a good time to shine, and you'll see that soon. 
Um, getting into, uh, I guess, some of the enemy humans, uh, the leader of Mech, which is a terrorist organization, um, destined to rule the world. <laughs> you have uh, Leland Bishop, or, or also known as Silas, voiced by Clancy Brown, the impeccable Clancy Brown. The Kurgan man. Oh my God, freaking Lex Luthor. <laughs> that guy's got a voice that he just says one word and you instantly know who it is. No doubt. Him there, and, uh, there is no mistaking his voice for anybody else's ever. Him and Powers Booth. Jesus Christ. <laughs> if both those guys showed up on the same side in the show, I would, I'd, I'd lose it. But um, yeah, he, he plays a very intimidating uh, human terrorist that uh, wants to incorporate uh, Transformers technology into his, into his own, for his own means. Um, and going into some of the Decepticons, you have uh, Breakdown, who is voiced by Adam Baldwin, uh, who you might know from Firefly as uh, Jane. <laughs> yes, the man called Jane. The man called Jane. And uh, Skyquake, voiced by Richard Green. I know the name, but I can't remember uh, what he's done. And, um, and the living Decepticons, you have uh, Knockout, who is voiced by Darren Norris, who is in real life the, the husband of uh, the Major. Uh, Mary, uh, I forget her last name, but the, the Mary woman, McGlynn. Mary McGlynn, the lady that voices the major and goes in the no show. Shit. Yep. The real life. And, uh, that's it. That's her husband. And, uh, other than that, uh, you also have, uh, who we talked about earlier, Arachnid voiced by uh, another Firefly, uh, alumni, uh, what was Gina her name? Torres. Uh, Gina Torres. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, for the most part, those are the, those are the regular voices that you hear in the show for the most part. Um, any other ones I, I might've forgotten? I think you. I think you missed uh, human number three. No doubt. And uh, <laughs> or about number two. Oh I think you covered almost everything. So I'm a, I'm a voice. I'm a voice geek. So what, what can so I say? So am I. But even let's <laughs> get to a point. I'm this along. But any and, and before we close out the uh, the segment, any any last thoughts on the show or hopes for season two? Um, well, it's it's good. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say it's good. I mean, it's it's definitely. Um, it, it, it's, it's definitely got a little bit darker, um, feel to it. It's, but it's not so dark that it's, uh, all depressing because there are some, you know, there are some funny episodes and there are some funny things that are going on, but you know, um, it's definitely not what you would expect from, uh, a lot of the Transformers incarnations beforehand. So, uh, just say, definitely check it out. Excellent. I would say... As much as I've in, enjoyed the show up to now, I would like to see a little bit more variety in some areas. Mm-hmm. And this might be impacted by, you know, the amount of CG modeling time. But it would be nice to see a bit more variety in the environments because yeah. up to now, almost everything is out in the desert or some mm-hmm. forest. <laughs> or, the, the, or those little ravines. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's no end to the ravines that this show takes yeah. place in. Yeah. And yeah. canyons. <laughs> Earth is, a, Earth, Earth is a pretty empty planet on this show. <laughs> I know. Even even the town that uh, that Jack and, and Miko and Raph live in is a pretty empty place. Mm-hmm. And then look in season two. It's like, all right, we're going to New York. Let's immediately go underground. <laughs> in the subway. You know, um, what else was I going to say? I would also like to see some some more Autobots get into you know, get some fresh blood in because up to now we've had just the dynamic of the five Autobots. Mm-hmm. And although Wheeljack has appeared occasionally, he's always like Mr. Lonesome player. <laughs> so I would like to see him just permanently join up. Yeah. And to also get some more Autobots in because 
they're just constantly outnumbered by not only the number of named Decepticons, but also mm, the endless stream of Vehicons and now Insecticons. Yes. And, um, you know, the, the, that's one of the stakes in the show is that they are so outnumbered that um, it just adds a level of tension to the show when they're facing the insurmountable odds. But that happens all the time. So yeah. you can only push the whole we're so hopelessly outnumbered bit so point. many times before it gets yeah. a, just a little tiring. So I would like to see some new Autobot blood just to, um, you know, even things out just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't even seen season two, but I was getting tired of it. Within season, at the end of season one, I'm like, man, you know, can they just get any more? You know, isn't there one or two more guys roaming the galaxy that might, you know, come by and, and visit and, and actually stay? Because yeah, you were kind of cocktees with um, Wheeljack the first time. You're like, wow, cool, new guy. Oh, he's got to go back to the stars because well, at that's least he thing. eventually came back and yeah. decided to stay on Earth. He just mm-hmm. didn't want to stay be under Prime's him. command. So hopefully that'll change. I didn't see yesterday's episode, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope he just signs up as a permanent member and that we get some more Autobots in addition to, to him. There's got to be more. And, 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 and he's a badass, man. Freaking yes, he is. double swords, man. He's such a Ronin. <laughs> Hopefully he'll find a home in the Autobot base. But uh, any other thoughts, Chris? Uh, if you have not seen season one, check it out on uh, you know Netflix streaming and then catch up to season two on The Hub. Season As good as season one was, Season two has been consistently knocking out of the park yes. every episode, whether it's part of a story arc or a standalone episode. There's one you would agree with me, Silver in particular, an episode about Bulkhead's misadventures. Yeah, <laughs> it is just well, freaking amazing. Well, let's just get to that when we get to season two. Yes. So, yeah, watch season one, watch season two. Definitely one of the uh, better Transformers shows. And you know, for someone who was a big fan of animated. That show's over. It'll never get to live on to what it could have been. But this show um, definitely picks up the slack and does a damn good job. Yeah, it seems almost like the progression of it. So, I mean, even though it's a, it's a spiritual sequel, it's not a direct one. But, um, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you guys. I, I think this show is, is a must-watch, especially if you enjoyed Transformers to any capacity. You should definitely get on this show. Um, I, I do hope that um, two things do happen. One of the things that you mentioned, that more Autobots do show up and become permanent. Uh, permanence at the uh, at the Autobot base, and, and number two, that their existence becomes known to humanity. So that way, we we have a you know a recipe for more chaos as uh, Decepticons and Autobots fight in human cities. That's going to be the jam. <laughs> if that comes about, hopefully they don't stay secret forever. But um, other than that, I I give it the the Sobro seal of approval. I do. I give it the, the highest thumb up I can. It's a great show. And you how many get on top uh, of that. matrices of leadership do you give this out of five? Right now, uh, 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 summing up the show all the way up to the point, um, I got to say four and a half right now. I give it four. I'll, I'll give it four matrices. Nice. Yeah. Because <laughs> there were a couple there were a couple episodes that were, they weren't bad, but they were just like, eh, you know. But hey, if anything, it's got room to grow. And um, I know that uh, this show um, will hopefully keep up this level of quality that it has so far. And uh, that's or it get, for... Or just that? get canceled. Oh. <laughs> hopefully when it's you on know, top. America, good shows can't be allowed to run too long. Good shows, yeah. get, as, as uh, evident by our, our recent cancellations for all the shows this season. But um, Transformers is not one of them. And it, this is definitely our review. Uh, the end of our review for Transformers Prime. And we'll be back with more Gundam at MHQ in just a minute.
Incredibles is my second favorite of the of the Pixar films. I, I the the combination of just superheroes and like taking these like classic designs for these heroes and combining like the doldrums of modern life and trying to adjust and fit in with society when you know that you're better than everything else. Everything from like the action is really well done, the the stories and the, the actual like you know it's a story more about midlife crisis than it is about. <laughs> Well, it's also it's also got a societal message of if everyone's special, then no one's special. Yeah, you know, so it has this really strong message. It has these these crazy characters. It has superheroes, and I love superheroes. I mean, this is a better Fantastic Four movie than anything Fox could ever hope to release. Well, this is this movie is better than most superhero movies. Period. It is, yeah, it is one of the best examples of a pure superhero movie and how superhero movies should be. It is a very good movie in that respect. It had a lot of messages, though. Not just, like, midlife kind of thing, like he's dealing with culture and society. It's also, like, it's ridiculous when you think of the beginning of the movie how people were filing lawsuits. This, the, the I think the... T- the big one was a guy was trying to kill himself. <laughs> yes. And, and, and Mr. Incredible saved him. He's like, Mr. I didn't want to be saved. Him. It sounds ridiculous when you see it in the movies. Like, I can't, how could somebody do something like that? But then if you look at the crazy, stupid shit that people try to file suits for today. You wouldn't be surprised to see that. You, Yeah, that's something that wouldn't be very surprising. Look, people, this is chaos. I can't believe Game and Morpher gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You need to fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only covered major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news, big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop in Second Opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. What robots are you talking about? The goddamn robots, John! Ironhide, report to me at once. Every time I look into a monitor, Prime, my circuit sizzle. When are we gonna start busting deceptive jobs? I want you to make a special run to Autobot City on Earth. But, Listen, Ironhide, we don't have enough energon cubes to power a full-scale assault. Ready the shuttle for launch. Your days are numbered now, Decepticon. 
All right, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ, and this time we're going to be doing some quarterly clean-out of the mailbag, which we're perpetually behind on, but in the interest of keeping this rather short, we're going to forego any voicemails, which we are separately drowning in also. <laughs> we'll catch up on those separately. So we're going to dig into the Mechatalk mailbag submission thread that's on the Gundam subforum there. So starting with Strike Zero, a comment. In previous episodes, I've noted some comments from the Gundam crew seem to suggest a kind of animosity towards the beloved digital idol Hatsune Miku. <laughs> you guys better watch what you're saying. When the Zentradi, Protodevlin, and Vajra swarms finally arrive and descend down upon us from the skies above, she's going to be humanity's only viable line of defense in averting our impending and utter annihilation. The last thing we want to do is give her any reason not to come to our protection. Well, sir, what you <laughs> fail to understand is that she is fake, therefore she will clearly go down the Sharon Apple insanity route. Yeah. What we and... need is a real singer. Yes. Which means that, uh, unfortunately, we might be placing the future of humanity in the hands of, say, Lady Gaga or Miley Cyrus. Or Rihanna. Rihanna. Or, just, or Justin Bieber. <laughs> I did you have to go there? He's a songstress. Hey, man. Hey. He's close. <laughs> Well, he, he does look like a short girl, so I guess he could fit. There you go, man, in a, in a, in a, in a pinch. <laughs> so, yeah, don't don't uh, don't look to Hatsune Miku, because she's to be the one sending remote-controlled F-35s after you. <laughs> Pretty much. She'll probably be the most use they ever get. <laughs> to the detriment of a hotshot pilot. <laughs> Next up, the Foul Sorceress says, Related to above, do robot singers have the best culture? No. Because they're robots. They have no emotions. They got the best obsessions, though. They do. <laughs> Just ask Isamu. <laughs> okay, so next we have uh, a comment from Animalia uh, in regards to his question about us picking on Solbro. Mm -hmm. So he says, First of all, I was aware of the good-natured ribbing aspect of what I call picking on. Secondly, my problem was that it got old after a while. Guess I should have phrased it better. Finally, I must disagree with your statement that if it is funny once, it is always funny. Some humor ages better than others. For example, I'm willing to bet that even Why Did the Chicken Cross the Road to Get to the Other Side was funny when it was first told. P.S. Sorry, this was more of a comment than a question. Thanks in advance for humoring me. No pun intended. P.P.S. Here's a suggestion <laughs> for new material. Next, you start to call Sobro Switzerland. Point out that this is an insult to Switzerland because, and I do not know if you know this, but Switzerland actually has quite a formidable military and it is their military that allows them to stay neutral. If Germany had tried to drag Switzerland into World War II the way they did Belgium, they would have taken heavy losses even if they won. Switzerland is a type of neutral that sits on the sidelines watching the flame wars of trolls and laughing at their stupidity, whereas Sobro is more of the wishy-washy type of neutral that tries to please everybody. Oh, boy. Hope this <laughs> info observations will help you come up with some new material. So I guess in keeping with his suggestion, I guess he's trying to say that you are like the Neville Chamberlain of Switzerland. So congratulations, Sobro. You are now the Neville Chamberlain of anime. Finally, we will see anime peace in our time. Nice, nice. And I, I continue to be downgraded. Yes. PPPS, Sobro is not a devil's advocate either. Oh. In really? that while devil's advocates will still pick the unpopular side to argue, they at least stick with said side once picked. Damn. Oh, damn. On, wow. It seems like it you went, went down on us hard, but it was really just more you. It went yeah, from being just... in my defense to being a scathing. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know how to respond to something like that. Well, Anna Melia, thank thank you for uh, thank you thank you for looking out, boy, boy. You sure you sure know how to look out for a brother. Damn, exactly. Blood would be on blast. Fuck. Uh, oh, oops, excuse me. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have some questions from Zobby Must Die, who says, "Thank you for reading my question last time. I'm excited for the Zone of the Enders collect HD collection still." So I have a few quick ZOE questions for you. The music, yay or nay? Well, for me, yay. I don't know if you guys have played the games. Yay all day. I love the music in the Zone of the Enders. Do Do you think that Leo Stemmick was redeemed in Second Runner after being an annoying character in the first game? Mm, I would kind of say so, because in in the first game, he was kind of like a low-rent Amaro. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. And in the second, he was um, cooler. I mean, he had the transforming Vic Viper. That that just automatically you cool that's freaking awesome <laughs> i know it's your games yeah he says here and lastly are there any equivalents to anubis in the gundam franchise i.e an enemy suit that constantly outperforms the main character suit till the very end um mm. sedancia maybe well, we haven't seen we haven't seen that till the very end yeah that's true uh i would say even though it only had the one appearance uh the reborn's gundam definitely outdid the double o riser Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. It's pretty hard, even though technically it was supposed to be the inferior suit since it had fake drives, but uh, it came out ahead at the end. I was going to say the O, but I, don't, I, don't, I think the, the Zeta Gunman, the O, didn't only fought once, and that didn't that didn't that didn't bode too well for Sirocco. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> Other than that, I can't think of any. Can't think of any either. Yeah. All right, next up, this is a question that I think is, is right up Neo's alley from Yokozuna Bulldozer, who says, Hello! My recent favorite mech is the RB79 Ball, and while looking for picks, I happen to see a Char Custom Ball, complete with a red paint job, horns, Ooh. and Xeon hang, hand attached to its head. He has a, uh, a picture, so you can see that there on page 20 of the thread. That's amazing. <laughs> So my question is, what would be the most over-the-top shark custom you can think of? The only one I could think of from the top of my head is a shark custom white base with horns and red paint, and it moves <laughs> times fast. <laughs> so, Neo, why don't, why don't you, the custodian of all things Shar and Akeda, tell us the most over-the-top shark custom? Oh, that's easy. Petite Mobile. <laughs> the Petite Mobile. I don't know where you'd put the horn and everything, but the petite mobile, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> not, you're not even going to say something outlandishly stupid like, say, a Char Custom Wappa? Oh, man. <laughs> or uh, Zaccarella. <laughs> well, that's huh. silly. Oh, the Juwag? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Do not mention the Juwag. Oh, man. I don't. <laughs> even though we're going to see Chris with that shirt on. <laughs> Only the shark custom one. Nice, nice. Uh, what about um, Mr. Junkman from uh, uh, Double Zeta? Uh, Gammon, Gammon. His little, his little junk mech. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, that thing already came. Didn't one of them come in salmon pink like his one? Yeah, Ooh. it did. So uh, that already kind of covers that. Nice. All right. Next, we have a question from a new listener, Rook. I should say a first-time poster. Mm-hmm. Hey, Chris, Neo, and Sobro, you guys have put together an awesome podcast with Gundam, and it's really opened my eyes to a lot of other mecha anime 
mecha-related stuff that I would otherwise not have been aware of, and actually even managed to reconcile me with great material such as Macross Plus, which I thought was for the longest time, seriously, about 17 years, just an awesome tube dream made even more awesome by the rose-colored glasses of nostalgia. Mm. Thankfully, I was wrong about that. This was, of course, due to your roundup on the topic, and I figure I should finally get on your boards and express my appreciation as well as a lingering question I've had. What is your favorite grunt mecha? Be it for the sake of style, story, or some other conceivable reason, I've always taken a liking to the Gundam Seeds Gin. It's something about the way they were designed that appeals to my personal aesthetic tastes and combined with the way they move gracefully through stock footage makes them capture my eye more than other runner-ups such as the Hyzak, which is cool in Mm. its own right, or the Samurai Gaimolefs in the first few episodes of Escaflone. But all Gaimolefs are awesome, so it's a low-hanging fruit to pick. So for each of you, what is your favorite grunt or cannon fodder mech in any franchise and why? Right on. Well, if we're going to go broad, I mean, as far as grunts, you can't go wrong with the Scope Dog. Yeah. That is the the grunt of grunts. (laughs) The the number one disposable mech there is. (laughs) What, what, what What do you do, 23 of those things? In the in the first votums, ask Peter. He's the one who took the complete count of how many scope dogs Shiriko has has gone through. I went through them like toilet tissue. Yes, he did. <laughs> One single ply. Which I think the armor in those might have been single ply. <laughs> so if I had to say Ooh. for Gundam, I don't know if I would say all time favorite, but one of my favorites. Uh, I've always enjoyed the um, the dagger series from from Seed. Yeah. Ooh. You know, not just the the original Strike Dagger, which is kind of neat looking, but the uh, the ones that show up in MSV and the manga, like the the 105 Dagger. I love mm-hmm. that as a grunt. That's a great grunt. Yeah, it is so a definitely good grunt. the the 105 Dagger, and uh, even the um, you know the dual Dagger was pretty neat. So I, definitely I kinda, those, those lines. I kind of liked uh, the Marasame, the uh, the tr- the transforming one. <laughs> yeah, from that so. from the Gundam series that must not be named. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, you took mine. Because, um, you know, it's always cool to give grunts the, the transforming mechs. They, they don't always normally get those. No, or no they don't. Do their, or when they do, they're very vastly overpowered by, uh, <laughs> by everything else. So, I guess my, my other one, then, is the, uh, the Regzi. I, 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 I dig that. Even though Amaro, I guess, piloted that at first. You know, ended up being a grunt suit in the long run. But um, definitely the Regzi is my other, my other favorite grunt suit. All right, so next we have a question from Teprog New who says, Andrei Smirnov lived a whiny bitch and died a real man. Agree? Disagree? Discuss. Ooh. Uh, agree? Agree. Yeah, I agree, too. Uh, to be honest, uh, he, went out, he went out on top, man. He, he, came, he came through in the end. Um, but, you know, when, you, when, you, when everything previous left a, a bad taste in my mouth, so I was just glad to see him put out of his misery. <laughs> I mean, he did go out... You know, mm-hmm. in the good fight, but still doesn't quite make up for murdering his own father. No, indeed, nothing and ever being, will. And just being a creep with, uh, yeah, with uh, what's her face, Louise. Ugh. Louise, yeah, he yeah. was he was way creeper. He can he can wash that stain of waste off of him. <laughs> yes. Okay. Next, we have a question from Anamalia who says, "At the end of the mailbag in episode ninety-three, you said you were not trying to be a dick when answering the comment, despite the Jesus. fact that you said the person who posted the comment deleted himself. While it is true that from a security standpoint, you should never send anyone an email or picture you would not want the whole world to see, 
it is still a dick move for the person who receives such content to forward it into the world, which is what you did. If you just wanted to use it as an example of revisionist history, you could have kept the poster's name anonymous. Well, hold up a second here, buddy. Hold up. What, what is Uh-oh. he talking about? There was a comment that someone had posted on um, the blog. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I had received email notice of this, but then later said comment was deleted. Okay. And we read it in that episode. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, hold up here, buddy. Save your outrage for somewhere where it's actually applicable because what you're saying is ridiculous, I'm sorry to say. The Gundam blog is something that's completely public. Yeah, yeah it's not it's private. It's out there for everyone to see. It is not a private thing. He didn't email me something in private and ask that I not read it. He yeah. posted the comment there, and I received an email notice of a comment, which we all do. Yeah. yeah. So that comment is preserved. So what you're suggesting, that would be the same as saying, like, oh, whenever a politician or a celebrity puts out a stupid tweet or a Facebook status update and then deletes it, should we just pretend that they didn't happen? No. I.e. Spike Lee. <laughs> exactly. Spike Lee. Or a long list of people. Yeah. <laughs> you, you put it out there for the world to see. You have to deal with the consequences. So if I had violated this guy's trust where he said, please don't mention this on the show, then, yeah, you'd have a point. But you don't have a point because he put it out there in public. The fact that he deleted it is not anything at all that I care about. He put it out there. You can't undo it once it's out there. So it's fair game. Yeah. Even if he put up a retort after deleting it, saying that he was uh, that he felt differently now, or you know what he, he was, he spoke out of turn or anything like that, then it would have been water under the bridge. But he didn't do that. He just deleted it because you know he got put on blast. So. Yeah. So <laughs> fair, it's fair game. It's a public blog, public comment. No, no excuses. P.S. How do you guys find out what people are saying on 4chan? I don't know anything about what they say there because the only way I can think of to find out said info is to actually go to 4chan. And once <laughs> I did that, I would have to either have my brain surgically removed or live the rest of life 400 IQ points shorter. Yes, I'm aware that would give me a negative IQ. That's just how bad 4chan is. Well, I think you answered your own question. There you go. <laughs> There's really no way for me to know what 4chan says about me without actually being on there myself. So the mystery has been revealed. Or if somebody forwarded on, forwarding something to you. Hey, you know you I, made it when people I, talk I, I shit a, about you. I do a much better job about spotting what anyone says about me rather than anyone forwarding it along to me. So, <laughs> uh, Next up, we have a question from Captain America, who, as always, alternates between red, white, and blue in each sentence. Nice. Oh, okay. Freaking, it's good to hear from you, Steve. It's good to hear from you. Hello again. Following the style of Mr. Moo, I only have two questions for you. He says that in oh, red. That's not his style. <laughs> yeah. Moo's style is 200 questions. And in white, he says, with all the talk that was done last year about the problems that occur when Bandai refuses to adapt to markets, what are some good moves you think that other companies have taken? Hmm. I, I think the only thing you can say is just increasing the, the allotment of, of episodes for these packages. I mean, I think that was that was a long-awaited move that they did. But, mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. Most of these companies are having issues. So what they're doing is, is not, um, you know, doing that well. well. I mean, when he says Bandai, I think he's talking specifically about Bandai of Japan. So okay. 
on the Japanese side, the only thing that comes to mind for me is that uh, it seems the Japanese have become far more open to the whole streaming thing because mm. now pretty much every new major thing is getting streamed. But there's still, I think, a ways to go because there's a sizable amount of stuff that this is probably deliberately on the Japanese side. The simulcasts here in America are weeks behind the Japanese equivalent. For example, Funimation just started a simulcast a while ago of the new Eureka 7 show, which they also have the home video rights for. Mm-hmm. But they're consistently about two weeks behind where the show is in Japan, which, you know, again, in this on-demand culture that we were talking about with Toonami, yeah. if you have a choice of a fan sub now versus waiting two or three weeks later for Funimation in this case, why wait? That's true. Not I mean, much of incentive to, you know, I watch Funimation stuff whenever they have something they're streaming because I want to support them legally. Yeah. But for some people, why would they bother waiting when it's already out there through some other means? So that's, yeah. that's just another example how some, how the Japanese, they get it in some respects, but then in others, they're just still behind. They don't understand that, you know, if you don't give people viable options, they're going to get it the way they want to regardless. Yeah. That's true. I mean, we live in the instant age where we can watch things, as you brought up earlier, and um, you know, within hours of their release. And if you're not already coordinating a simultaneous release upon, you know, kind of like what uh, Bandai and Sub- Sunrise did with Gundam Age, although we can't watch it here in America. Well, I was just going to say that's, that's a negative region. example. Yeah, you know, it, they put it on YouTube. Yeah. For East Asia with English subtitles. Oh yeah. What does it hurt them to have made that available for America worldwide? Even you know, it's yeah, just worldwide just, because. I don't know if they are aware of this because they're so blind, but, you know, people rip those YouTube subs, put them <laughs> out there on HD broadcast rip and put those out. Those are the fan subs, so to speak, for age. So they're just enabling this stuff. And exactly. that's just perfect example of how backwards Bandai is. Like, yeah, let's do this English simulcast, but for East Asia and forget uh, North America and any other English speaking part of the world. They don't need it. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> with, with the sense you're making man the sense you're making god dang uh i guess we still have uh, room to grow when it comes to uh this digital distribution thing um i just well, we don't well, I we mean, don't well, they J- do japan has a, a, a ways to grow but um i here's hoping they do it soon because it's it's killing their bottom line and they could be making a whole lot more money off of this stuff if they make it readily available from jump oh that's their issue you just can't you can't hope that they i mean they're either going to do it or they're not i mean if they don't do it then they're just going to go to the wayside i mean that's just how it works i mean so and here's a question in blue for solbro Uh oh solbro if you could have one gundam and one general mecha japan only game to be imported updated for hd and with dual language capability which games would you choose neo and chris feel free to join in (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad we can be a part of this question. Uh, Bonds of the Battlefield. Um, if they brought that to uh, to to American markets, uh, even though you know it'd be in limited release because there's very few arcades around, that would be the one. I would love to play that. You're not going to go for the low hanging fruit. Are you talking about? Um, you t- <laughs> Are you talking about mobile ops? Are you kidding yes. me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You'd finally get it. Well, I mean, if I had any choice of a game, it would easily be uh, the Bonds of the Battlefield, the arcade game, because I would love to experience that. But You've finally forsaken your beloved. Oh, my God. I've given up. <laughs> <laughs> and on top of that, I guess we're going to be able to get that in some degree, but not translated. But, you know, the, 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 the online PS3 game, the online PS3 game of all <laughs> as ironic as that is. But so yeah, the uh, the non Gundam game. What's your choice? Non Gundam game. Uh. 
it's not strictly Gundam, but uh, Super it's, Robot Wars. Any any one of them, uh, any one of the the ones that include uh, multiple animated series, uh, as opposed to the original games, I would love to have uh, Super Robot Wars Alpha. Uh, at least that one, the one that was on the PS One. I'd love to get that. All right, and uh, Neo, you have any contribution for this? Or are you going to sit it out? I'm just going to sit it out. Mobile Ops. <laughs> Mobile Ops forever. Mobile Ops and forever. Close off. He says in yellow. As always, keep up the good work, man. Captain America. Freedom prevails. <laughs> Freedom is not free. Oh. Next, we have uh, Animalia again. Again? Ooh, yes. Man. It's a busy bee, man. Yes. He Jesus. says, you have often mentioned that one reason that mecha is such a niche genre here is because we do not have a long history with it, whereas Japan does have such a history. However... All of history has to start somewhere. What I want to know is how the mecha genre became established in Japan and why the same thing did not happen here. I'd also like to know if it would be possible to loosely retrace and redevelop the same history here in America. For example, license a current property similar to one part of the history. If that works, license a property similar to part two, etc. Oh my god, well, really? Okay, you're asking for like deep academic research, which we cannot provide on the podcast, so... I recommend look up on Amazon. There are lots of books about uh, yeah. the history of anime, both in America and in Japan. Read some of those. Um, definitely there is a cultural aspect because, you know, just in general, it seems that uh, Japanese people make use of gadgets and doodads far more than we do in America. Mm-hmm. And that I sure has to have something to do with it. So what you're asking is actually a very broad question that is not limited specifically to just mecha anime. As far as, you know, trying to make a history here, well, that's not an easy thing to do. And obviously Bandai tried with Gundam and that didn't work. You know, the only thing that I could say that, you know, we do have here as our robot franchises, we have a history with Transformers and that is mega successful and, you know, has had even more TV shows than Gundam. So, Mm -hmm. you know. That's what does have our history here. But anything outside of that, especially of piloted robots fighting in wars, just doesn't cut it here. It's all about sentient transforming robots. That's our thing. That's what's stuck here. You know, not everything, even though Gundam has a pretty broad appeal for anime fans, it doesn't mean it's going to appeal to everyone outside of that. And the same goes true with all these other shows like Macross and Votomes. I mean, clearly Robotech took hold with um, a certain audience here, but... You know, has never managed to uh, be able to keep that up with all of their aborted sequels. So, <laughs> I think we've pretty much said as much as we can say in 100 episodes about this topic. And if you want to find out more about the history of anime, you have to do some reading on your own. So, there, that's your homework. <laughs> there will be a quiz. Awesome. All right, next we have a question from K173 who says, Question for Neo, first lieutenant of the Michael Bay Army. Oh, yeah. I'm actually a commander in that army. <laughs> well, he posted this in March, so I'm guessing this was before your promotion. Yes, it was. His bayness is armed forces. Yes. <laughs> have you heard about the announcement of Michael Bay's tackling a remake of everyone's favorite Heroes in the Half Shell? And if so, what do you think Sir Bay's take on the Ninja Turtles would include. More specifically, who would you want to cast as April O'Neil? Oh, man. Well, I thought they were just producing it, so I don't know. Yeah, he's know. producing it. Yeah, I don't know how much actual story input they're going to do. and How many explosions input do you think there will be? <laughs> oh, well, explosion input, that that's a different story. But I'll be honest with you, I've never been a huge uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja person, so it doesn't really matter to me either way what he so, does them. 
Okay, so who's who's your April O'Neil? Uh, probably what would you? Well, in the Serpe fashion, you would just have to get the most recent Victoria's Secret catalog and yeah. <laughs> just randomly flip through it. Yeah, so just like, take the cover model for that month. This chick. Yes. Oh, what's that's how the well, one got it? Transformers, right? Mm-hmm. I I have a suggestion for whom uh, mm. he should cast as April O'Neil. Oh, go for it. And that is April O'Neil. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, right on. Right on. Do, do you know what I'm talking about, Soul Bro? I do know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> who has cosplayed as April O'Neil? Indeed. Okay, oh. so f- for the benefit of Neo and our other listeners who don't understand who okay. I'm talking about, there is a, uh, a porn star mm-hmm. who, I don't know what her real name is, I don't care to find out, <laughs> who took on the stage name April O'Neil. Okay. And it absolutely is from Ninja Turtles because she's a mega geek of like Doctor Who and all these nerdy things. And uh, at one Comic-Con, she cosplayed as April O'Neil with the uh, the yellow jumpsuit and a uh, big poofy red wig. So, <laughs> hey, <laughs> if, if Sasha Gray can break into the mainstream, uh, give this chick April O'Neil a shot. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Clearly she digs the material. <laughs> <laughs> She'll pass Michael Bay's uh, 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 audition process for certain. Yeah, and uh, you know, f- for our listeners, uh, if you're going to do any research into her, uh, be aware that you're looking into not safe for work material. So don't blame <laughs> us if your mom catches you looking at something, or your dad, or, or the nun fired. at your boarding school, or you get fired from work. We take no responsibility for that, and yeah, um, it's all on you. That's all on you. So Let, let's just say it's no longer safe to go to Google Images and type in April O'Neil. It's not. <laughs> and if you do, anything that happens is all on you. <laughs> There you go. Hold that L. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next, we have Furious Rodimus, who says, Hey, guys, I've been gone for a while, but I've got a couple of questions. Number one, what business model would you propose for the anime industry going forward? I think we discussed this as ad nauseum. (laughs) Yes. The the business model that makes me rich is the one that I want. Exactly. (laughs) Number two, have you seen the Shout Factory releases of the Transformers G1 collection? What were your thoughts on the subtitles that strayed pretty far from the original language track? Now, what he's referring to is uh, finally, for the first time ever, the American release of the three 80s shows that we never got here. Headmasters, Master Force, and Victory. Ooh. I now, I have, not, I have not seen these, and there is one mega collection of all three that's relatively cheap, given that you're getting about 100 episodes worth of show. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that I know could be grating to people is the fact that um, in the subtitles, they use the American names for everyone. Oh, okay. So, oh, wow. on, like, for example, in Headmasters, you know, Optimus Prime is called Convoy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you hear them in the dialogue calling him so, convoy uh, mm-hmm. but this in the subtitles it's prime. prime which i'm sure has to be annoying yeah, yeah. I mean, I because would, you know imagine. they're not saying that and back in those days uh pretty much all of the transformers had different names in japan that's actually changed now like for example with prime um everybody in the japanese version as far as i know has the exact same name so i think that they're trying to unify that worldwide for you know marketing and branding of having everyone have the same names ever since the live action movies they've been calling prime prime and not convoy anymore oh okay so but this was a big issue in the 80s where almost everyone had a different name that would be a little annoying watching it and then of course also the issue of um 
the fact that the planet was called Sabertron and not Cybertron, mm. that the Decepticons were called Destrons, mm-hmm. and the Autobots were called Cybertrons. Mm. Oh, wow. So, of course, you're hearing all of these messed up names of Autobots, Decepticons, and Cybertron. They don't match up with what they're also saying there. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as the actual quality of the subtitles, I don't know if they are, aside from the name issue, how accurate they are, so I can't speak to that. I am. Uh, I haven't seen the Shout Factory release of them, so... I'm going to check it out eventually, so maybe I'll have some more to say about it then. Number three, how do you maintain your interest in mecha and anime and the level you do? I'm just wondering since I'm coming back after a rather long hiatus. You know, I got to say it's, it's pretty hard to do after you've watched so much stuff because um, you know, I've been watching the new Eureka 7 show, and it's a good show. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that it does wrong, but I've been watching mecha anime for so long that the accumulation of watching so many tropes over and over and over again is finally catching up with me. Yeah. And I'm not enthusiastic about that show as I should be. And it's not anything that the show has done or not done. It's just finally starting to hit me that I've watched way too many damn robot shows. You think that might be bleeding in, uh, into also Gundam Age as you're watching it or um, uh, Gundam Unicorn? Possibly, because it's like, with Gundam Age, they telegraph things so badly. It's pretty bad. <laughs> Especially in the you episode know. titles. Yes. <laughs> So there is no subtlety in age. There's so much that's predictable. Of course, there's also an affirmative that's unpredictable. But, you know, yeah, the weight of all of these cliches of, oh, it's the, the Charka type. Oh, it's, you know, the, the ace who, uh, who can't catch up. Oh, you know, he's got the new part, so that makes him awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you know, this hot chick is actually a traitor. Like, oh, my God, guys, come on. Oh, this senpai has to die. <laughs> So it's right- actually, I'm finding it now after a good 14 years of watching mecha anime mm-hmm. consistently, it's getting harder to keep up with new mecha shows. Yeah, it, 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 you, it's almost, there's almost uh, things you just, you, you just see pretty much everything, uh, you know, way before it happens. I, I think the last show to surprise me, uh, mecha-wise, was probably Code Geass. Because uh, it was more, it was more about the characters than it was the mecha involved, and even um, even that went south eventually. Yeah, so. eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. um, since I have I have this sitting there, I need to watch it and finish it. I'm gonna go. I need to dip into some of the classics again. Yeah, and uh, I want to go and sit through all of uh, Dugram. Oh yeah, which I only saw about maybe a dozen episodes worth of. So that's there. I think I'm due for a rewatch of Elgheim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can watch it without uh, really funky Hong Kong subtitles. <laughs> yeah, so I think bad. I need to dip into some of these uh, these early works, these classics, just to sort of like wash all of the um, the cliches out of my mouth. And that's what I kind of do. I do that, and I also kind of step away sometimes, where it's just like you know, I try. I sometimes don't watch something for like a month or two, just because there's you know, like you said, these tropes and. These, these cliches and and they almost run into everything now. I mean, there's always. Unfortunately, be... I don't have that luxury of being able to step away. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the good thing about not having a, uh, a website. <laughs> <laughs> well, how nice for you. Uh, <laughs> Solbro. Um. Yeah. It, it is tough. Um. That, that's why I I I, I guess uh one of the reasons why I watch so many other things is because just to just to uh 
just to randomize things. So I, I don't, I don't, you know, so all the tropes that, that do come up in mecha anime as I watch them don't seem so, uh, <laughs> I, I guess so reoccurring as they are in a lot of shows. But I mean, it, it's, it's still cool to see, um, these tropes rewritten, uh, or, or, or reimagined in certain ways where it is surprising, but it, it does make it harder and harder when you watch a show that doesn't really, what's the, what's the word? It doesn't really, uh, expand the genre as much if it's just you know staying within the lines of the genre it doesn't if it doesn't really uh reinvent the genre it's hard to watch that show that's why we find ourselves going back to a lot of the older shows because they inv- they invented the wheel uh at the time like with with our reviews for pat labor and and other older sh- uh shows and, and movies that we've been reviewing recently uh we go back to watch those because that's when we first encountered that stuff for the first time so there's a level of excitement there. I'm hoping that, you know, mecha anime does become more exciting and they invent new tropes that we can um, enjoy. But who knows what the future will bring. All right. Next, uh, we have questions from Stag Rider, who says, Hello, I've been a listener for a while and your stuff is great. I was wondering if any of you guys had seen Godaner or Mazen Kaiser SKL and what you think of it if you did. I've seen Godaner. It's an yeah. enjoyable show. It definitely is heavy on... The fan service, service uh, yep. but it's a solid series. Haven't mm-hmm. seen Mazen Kaiser, so can't yeah, comment same. on that. Same. I've seen Godanner, but I haven't seen Mazen Kaiser. So, yeah, Mazen Kaiser. The only thing I've, of that I've seen is the OVA series, and that's it. Uh, the actual TV series I haven't watched yet. Second, if you have seen Star Driver, what is your favorite side body design from that show? I asked that one here since it is just related to the mecha and not the actual show itself. And nice episode about it in Chaos Theater Two. Hey, plug. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if I got listeners plugging stuff for me, it's like my job is done. Hell yes. <laughs> so you I can't go wrong. It, yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but mm-hmm. uh, you I can't haven't. go wrong with, uh, with the Tau Burn or with uh, sort of the evil anti-Tau Burn that Head piloted, which the name of which uh, escapes me. Mm-hmm. But it's probably some ancient Sumerian crap like all these other <laughs> robots. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's worth a show. It's worth checking out. Uh, it was released on Blu-ray by Bandai, and it was among their crop of their final titles that they released um, a few months ago before they said goodbye. Oh. So grab it while you can. Absolutely. Next, we have a question from a new poster, RX Prime, who says, Hello, Gundam crew. Will there be a Transformers roundup, mainly the shows and movies released in America, featuring great series such as Beast Wars and the new Prime show? Or is Solbro never taking off his nostalgia glasses with G1? By the way, I'm heading to BotCon 2012 in Dallas. <laughs> well, if you're listening to this episode, then you've just heard us talk about season one of Prime. So <laughs> that should answer your question. And, uh, eventually, we'll discuss season two of Prime. And I would like to discuss in the future Beast Wars and Animated, but we are definitely not doing a roundup. Because yeah. it's just too much damn stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's way too much of that. This gets too convoluted, too. Yeah, so that's the extent of what we'll be doing. And, of course, uh, whatever fourth movie Surbay does or doesn't do that hopefully does not feature Goofleboof. <laughs> that, that, will, that will get its own episode. You can be sure of that. <laughs> Next, we have a question from another new poster named Naz, who says, Hi, I have a couple of questions. Have you watched the reboot version of Raidim? If so, what's your take on it? If not, will it one day be on your review list? Well, I have ne- not seen uh, neither the reboot nor the original, and I know that was grammatically horrible. So <laughs> eventually, um, I'll probably check out one or two of them. So no promises. 
gentlemen. I haven't seen uh, Riding, but I heard the same thing. That is not it, the the reboot was was pretty bad, and the, the '70s show eclipses it at least to some degree. So um, I haven't seen either. I've seen a couple out of order episodes of the original, but a uh, long time ago, and I haven't seen the reboot, so I don't. You know. <laughs> no comment. Number, number two. What robot series would it take to be on the PS Vita to make you guys gain interest in this system enough to purchase one? Well, I'll tell you right now, if there was anything that would make me want to buy a Vita, it ain't a robot series because, yeah. as I said before, surprisingly, despite my position on Gundam and MHQ, mm-hmm. I don't play many robot games because most of them are pretty bad, especially licensed ones. Yeah, so, yeah. Gundam has a lot of stinkers. Macross has a lot of stinkers. stinkers There's a lot yeah. of stuff yeah. that's just shit. <laughs> Definitely. And I only casually play Super Robot Wars. I don't play um, Front Mission. I don't play Armored Core. I don't touch any of that stuff. Not because I don't like it. I just haven't gotten around to it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, look at it this way. I freaking love Uncharted. Just listen to the episode about Chaos Theater where I just gush about that, sh- that series endlessly. Mm-hmm. And they had an Uncharted game as a launch title for this platform. Yet I still have not bought one, even knowing that. Wow. <laughs> so I think the Vita will need many, many, many good games on it before I decide to buy it. And uh, same thing with the 3DS. It has some good games on it, but not enough to where I say, yeah, let me drop, you know, X amount of cash on this. Yeah. But, uh, honestly, it needs a price drop before I even, I'm even interested on either yeah, but system. Even, I'm, I, but I don't even worry about the price too much. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's the whole thing when it comes to the games. Like, I just hate buying these things and playing, like, one or two games on it, and then it just sits there and collects dust, you know? <laughs> you know, you, you buy these things to use them, and that's, that's always been my issue with them, so... You raise a good point. I find myself playing on my 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 smartphone more than I do with my PSP or my my DS. So yeah, I I've got to yeah. say they, I, the the appeal needs to be there before I even invest in that system. All right. Next, we have questions from Seraphic. One A, dear Sobro, do you feel that you are a strong martial artist? Would you be able to win a fight, and what would your strategy be? I've been in a few fights, but I'm nowhere close to being a martial artist. I've never trained or done anything like that. I'm, I'm the last person you would think of being a martial artist when you see me. So, no, not at all. Uh, 1B, Chris and Neo, how much do you think playing fighting games has affected Solbro's answer to the previous question? You know, like how all Madden players think they would make all-star quarterbacks and coaches. I don't think he's in that in that case at this point, based on his answer. So I agree with Solbro. If I was a martial artist from the hours I put in the fighting games, I'd be a black belt. But other than that, that's it. And that don't mean shit. He'd be like a tenth level black belt. No doubt. One C. Mm-hmm. Solbro, if not answered in your previous reply, have you ever trained in martial arts? And if not, what specific styles do you admire or would like to learn? <laughs> well, I, I definitely answered this question, except for the styles. Um, I always admired uh, a Chinese boxing and 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 Bruce Lee's philosophies for Jeet Kune Do. And although uh, I would never, I, I don't think I'd ever be apt to train in martial arts. I think the the philosophies behind Jeet Kune Do is pretty cool, and um, it can be applied to a lot of things. So there you go. All right. Number two, what is your personal advice to the audience this week? Buy low, sell high. <laughs> How about that Facebook, man? IPO, baby. <laughs> I guess uh, if you're going to buy low or sell high, maybe it's that. But uh, no, nah, I, I don't know. Um, winners don't do drugs, man. <laughs> winners don't do drugs. There you go. 
So says the arcade machines. <laughs> exactly, man. Why sage wisdom from from way back in the late eighties, early nineties. From William Sessions, director <laughs> of the FBI. They're <laughs> like, forget this guy. I just want to play Ninja Turtles and hey, Simpsons. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He'll forever be immortalized in eight bit and sixteen bit. <laughs> yes. Uh, my advice is um, a waste is a terrible thing to mind. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> More sage th- advice. Number three. Do you think you know culture? Not as much as Dennis. Oh, no. Dennis is the culture master. I, I, I am a journalist, so by definition, that makes me know culture more just contextually. <laughs> yeah. But, in relation to Dennis. But you're not an alcoholic gen- uh, journalist, man. You got ways to well, go. Well, depends who you ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're, uh, you're upcoming. <laughs> depends on and, the weekend, right? <laughs> yeah. We got some questions here from Dalo. Oh, ho. Who's uh, kind of kind of uh, mooing it here? Oh, he says uh, number one. I am sure you have all seen Gun and Double O on Sci-Fi when it was airing. What did you think of the dubbing job for the show? Okay. I thought it was a pretty solid dub. Yeah. There were some issues. Um, you know, Brad Swale does do a pretty good job as Setsuna, but I'm so freaking tired of him doing yeah the gun the star of a gun series. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for Christ's sakes, this guy he was Catra, Armoro. He was uh, Diarca in Seed. Yep. And in Destiny, he was both Diarca and um, Owl. Mm-hmm. And then in Double O, he's, uh, he's Setsuna. And while he does do a pretty good job, this probably is more on the voice directing side. At the beginning there of season one, they had him play Setsuna like way, way too sedated sounding. Yeah. And way too like emotionless, which kind of does track a bit with the Japanese one, but. Uh, the Japanese one had, you know, more more emoting. You know, he wasn't like someone who's like, oh, I'm on I'm on anesthetics and I don't feel anything because I'm a Gundam Meister. And <laughs> I think he could have done without that. I mean, uh, I, I like Brad Swell as a voice actor, straight up and down, just much like you do. Um, I would have thought the show would have been better suited if he was Ribbons, because that would have been actually in line with uh, what the Japanese it, did. It would have been, yeah. yes, it would have been in line with the in joke. Yeah, exactly. And I, I would have loved it if that was the case there. But uh, instead, they, they made him the lead. Mm-hmm. But you can't have an in joke that nobody cares about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I suppose you're right. But at least, at least he wouldn't have been playing yet yeah. another Gundam main character. Yeah, it'd have been against type. It would it have been against type for him, and I, I thought he would have had more of a chance to shine as Ribbons than he would have with Setsuna. Even though Ribbons is in the show less than Setsuna, I think him playing a villain would have been really cool because I rarely see Bradswell ever play the villain. He's usually the lead and the heroic type, so um, it would have been a chance for him to, to to get outside of his comfort zone, and I think that would have been a whole lot cooler than what they did. Um, that said, I still think he did a good job. Like Chris said, uh, yeah, he, he was a bit too sedated at, at, at certain points, but you know, they would also, use- uh, mm-hmm. Scott McNeil was great as Ali Al Sausage, <laughs> but should absolutely never, ever, ever play a black guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As evidenced by you die. <laughs> he was uh, he was great as Piccolo, though. Really great. <laughs> He's great as green aliens. We'll give him that. <laughs> green aliens and psychopathic Middle Easterners who take mm-hmm. girls on taxi rides, but no black dudes. There you go. Get get some actual black dudes. I mean, hell, <laughs> have uh, have Kevin Michael Richardson phone in. <laughs> I know it's Canada, but they can be found. <laughs> there are black people in Canada. They exist. I know this. You just gotta look a little harder. That's all. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but otherwise, I thought it was a pretty good dub. I know that that dub in fan circles is pretty widely derided as being one of the worst ever, but wow, uh, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I mm-hmm. if there was any dubs that. for Gundam that I think fall flat, it's uh, it's Seed. Yeah, <laughs> Seeds are pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, as awesome as the guy is who does Rao. Mm-hmm. You only have to listen to um, like Kigali and Kira and Kira and, and Play and Lacus and hear how not good they are. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ocean can't hit the mark every time. And, and the brilliance and creepiness of English Rao is not enough to make up for how much they lack. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Because he's not in it enough. <laughs> although, although Moo's voice had to kick ass, I gotta say. Yeah, he, he was good too. Yeah, but yeah, but the but yeah, the others. Ugh, so yeah, it's a price to pay for certain. <laughs> so. All right, number two. In season one of Double O, we see the Celestial being space station abandoned. I know that it was meant to make the GN drives for the Gunners, but is it ever mentioned how it ended up like that? Was it the L's or something else? Hmm. From what I figured just contextually, that there was some kind of a violent schism between, you know, the, the devoted faction of Celestial being and the corner faction. Yeah. Since you had all this erased data and dead people and all this stuff. So I just assumed that it was that. Yeah. That makes the most sense. Number three, I just finished Last Exile Fam, The Silver Wing. Have any of you, Neo, been watching it? If so, what did you think of it? I have not watched either show. I haven't had it. I haven't had a, um, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. And you know what my answer will be. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I haven't seen it either. No. Number four, Silver yeah. Wing ended with 21 episodes. As far as I knew, it was meant to have 24, but still had a fulfilling ending for me. I want to know what series for you outside of First Gentleman X had the tail end of the series rushed or cut short, but still had an ending that was so well done that it was still a great series. For me, Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, both anime and manga are this. Hmm. That's a solid question. Um... That's kind of a hard question to ask or be- answer because it's not that common for anime yeah. to get cut back. And, and it seems it's like actually most, kind of a rare thing. It seems like most of the robot shows are the ones that really suffer. Yeah. Uh, aside from Gundam, I can't think of really that many shows I watched or and enjoyed the attention that that happened to them. Yeah, they, they ran ran short of their of the of of a of a regular run that was you know it still made the show outstanding. You know, it, it ended in such a good way. Um, yeah, and also it's kind of rare what happened with Gundam where Tamino managed to get the four episode extension that gave us the ending that we got because a lot of the times it's done with no notice as seen by a Dane. If you watch the last episode yeah. of a Dane, it makes it's no freaking sense. Done. It's like all this <laughs> stuff happened and then because they didn't disagree, blah. <laughs> yeah. But then, uh, you know, they remember that episode when they did the second movie and then it all made sense. Mm-hmm. Or uh, SBT laser, which was supposed to run 52 episodes, but got canceled and ran only 38. When you watch that show, the jump from episode 37 to 38, you feel like you skipped three or four episodes of the show. And it's like, what the, what the hell happened? <laughs> and then they kind of fixed that with one of the OVAs they did. But even then, there's still a gap of stuff that happens between the previous episode and this expanded one of stuff that just was not explained. See, and, and, and usually it just causes the show to suffer. But I, I have a question for you. Um, here's a show where the opposite happened, uh, Super Dimension Fortress Macross. If that show ended where it was initially intended to end, would you have been satisfied with that ending? Yeah, because um, yeah, I didn't the have a problem with that. Ending was just going to be, um, you know, the end of the the war space itself. Battle. 
Yep. Yeah. Although perhaps we could find an example that that answers this question. Escaflone. Yeah. In yeah. pre-production was meant to be 39 episodes, but then it got cut back to 36. So instead of cutting out uh, parts of the story, they just trimmed down the filler and packed in those episodes, which is why Escaflone is constantly praised for being such a fast-moving plot that doesn't waste any time. Well, it's because they didn't have the time to waste. <laughs> Thank all, God. All the padding, all the padding got stripped. <laughs> yeah. Because I can imagine that as fast as that story moved and as much as it accomplished in 26 episodes, mm-hmm. with 13 more, it been. probably would have been some padding of, here's some useless battle against... Some Fancy dragon boys. Yeah, some unnamed guy that you know they brought from the other provenance. Here's I mean. some uh, battle against some cat assassin person. Yeah. Here's some here's some teenage love drama thrown in. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Escaflone uh, came out better for having done a pre-production cutback. That makes sense. If, if anything, I had no idea that about that for Escaflone, and 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 makes a lot of sense now <laughs> thinking back to the show. Number five, what were some anime shows that were made from the year 2000 to now that you would consider timeless? Shows that 10 years later will still be amazing as they were when they were first made. Mm. Um, I'll definitely get Sack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That just goes without saying. That is definitely chief on the list. Um, gosh. Maybe Double O. Because uh, I think Double O might get more appreciated as it gets older. As time goes by. What, yeah. about, De- what about Destiny, man? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I'll agree with Double O, but not Destiny. God, uh, what what thoughts on Code Geass? You think uh, the the first season uh, more so than the second? Uh, season one, yeah. Season one, yeah. <laughs> season one. <laughs> oh man, uh, what other shows that we ha- say, say for instance that we reviewed for uh, Gundam that could be uh, that not list. that we've reviewed, but uh, yeah, just overall I think qualify planets. Yeah, mm-hmm. planets definitely, definitely. I show hit the mark on on so many levels. I would say flag, but I, I had a few few issues with that. But uh, I still liked liked it overall. Um, plus, it, so. plus, it's very timely, so it may not be timeless um, because of that. Other than that, I'd have to really think about this question, which we don't have time for. So, Damn. last question: Do you believe Kenji Kamiyama is the new Mamoru Oshi? What do you think of the new Cyborg There's Nine from a visual standpoint? I think it looks awesome. Yeah, he's a great director. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got Gitsack underneath. Um, his uh, his list are on there on the resume. He also did Eden of the East. I could that could be a nominee for uh, a show that will be re- well remembered. It's a great show. I think that's true. It's yeah, pretty cool. True. I've uh, seen a, fir- a couple of the first few episodes. And uh, yeah, he definitely uh, is someone who is very creative. But unlike Oshi, number one has no obsession with basset hounds. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> And two isn't too obtuse because sometimes Oshi just really goes out there. You know, mm-hmm. most notably Professor Bato's philosophy lectures. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, whereas, you know, Kenji Kamiyama, you know, he tackles a lot of really complex subjects in both seasons of Gits and in Solid State Society, but makes them understandable and, and accessible, but still having a meaning that works on various levels. Yeah. And as much as I love Oshi, sometimes he's just weird for the sake of being weird. Yeah, he's he's a bit he's a bit eccentric in in comparison. Um yeah, Kamiyama, he's he's also his uh his stories are very streamlined. Um you know, he 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 likes to 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 keep a a pace going uh and you know, his narrative thrust I, I just just the way he presents his material is, is it, there's there's a slickness to it that I I always enjoy. All right. Um 
Next, we have Jroy1117, who posted this on April 1st at 3 a.m., just for, for context. <laughs> hey, guys, do you hear about or see Cartoon Network's April Fool's joke? What did you think of it? Personally, it was bittersweet, but I love that I got to see Gundam Wing on TV one last time. Uh, ho, ho. No, no, no comment. <laughs> Refer to the opening. <laughs> Brace <Yes>. yourself. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, next, we have Shinigami New Type says, hey there, I have one mini rant that will likely garner a response in one question. One aimed at uh, Chris and the other aimed at Solbro and Neo. Oh, ho. can we Number stop one. with the mini rants? <laughs> <laughs> Number one, Chris, in a previous episode, you stated that you didn't like the MGS novel Awakening Escalation Confrontation because you deemed the prose incompetent or something along those lines. Having read the original Japanese novel and now currently reading the English adaptation, I must vehemently disagree with your assessment of the novel's prose. Ooh. Having read an extensive amount of books, I can honestly say I've read much worse from original novels written by native English-speaking authors. Now, hold up a second. Oh. Um, I never said that the prose was incompetent or anything the like, so first of all, please don't put words in my mouth. What I said was somewhere along the lines of that the prose is awkward, which it is. It you is know, a little awkward, yeah. You know, parts there are, are parts that are really wooden that you'll jump from character stuff to like deep explanations about technology and the political situation, which is all great information, but it's just not that well written in that respect. I love the story. I love the characters, but the execution is a bit lacking. Also, um, I have read hundreds of books as well. And just because I've read worse, that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) because <laughs> you're talking about the, the gundam book itself so you you yeah, just i'm talking about doing. these books yes i mean there's for anything out there you can say yes there's something that's worse than this but mm-hmm. that's not the point the point is that the pros could be better on this and it isn't so again it's not it's not a it's not a bad series of books so don't say that that's what i said because i didn't say that oh well, there you go you clarified it man you clarified that shit Number two, Solbro and Neo, are there any MGS novels aside from the trilogy that you enjoy and can recommend? Thanks and keep up the great work. No. I know I can't, but Neo, you read the, the Seed books, didn't you? Or at least to Dude, some like degree? That's the first three that were available, so it's, it's incomplete. Oh, I mean, well. you, can't, you can't go by, because, I mean, what am I going to tell them? Here, you get to, if, if you can even find it online, it's going to only take you to, I think, when they hit Orb, so... Man, Thanks to Tomo Pop making the genius move of licensing only the first three out of five novels because yeah. that's perfect sense. Wow, yeah. Tomo Pop. Uh, in a long list of mistakes they've made. <laughs> Tokyo Pop, not Tomo Pop. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Oh, my gosh. Tomo Pop, my apologies. Tokyo Pop. Wow, it's been that long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, but uh, but the thing is, there's not mm-hmm. much more out there to recommend because aside yeah. from sure. those three uh, seed books and the MSG trilogy, nothing else has been released officially. But Shinigam, new type, can actually read Japanese, so I think you should check out the uh, Unicorn books and let us know how true they are to, uh, to the animated series or how different they are. I'd, I'd like to hear his take on that. So um, there's that. He's got an advantage that we Actually, don't. I don't. There's also a complete. I don't want to hear his take. I just oh. want to. I'd, I'd rather them just translate them so I can have my take. Well, gentlemen, mm-hmm. uh, there is a complete fan translation of Sentinel. Oh, whoa. Get out of here. So... You know, just the fact that it's Sentinel must mean it's the best thing ever, like Crossbone. <laughs> of course. So let's, let's keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. All right, next we have uh, some questions from good old Arbiter. How many? 
who set a three. Okay. <laughs> to the right honorable lords of Gundam and MHQ, number one, when Tamino and crew set about making Gundam back in 1979, did they have to pay anything to Gerard K. O'Neill for using the Island 3 colony designs in the show? Wow. I don't know. I have no idea, but given this is, you know, a scientific concept, you know, I... Not familiar with this part of the law, but I don't believe that scientific concepts are copyrightable pieces of law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that. And, and, they, and they are but a I little different. I would lean different. towards no. And they're a little different, too. I mean, they're not exactly like yeah, his. Yeah, I mean, they, they did some changes. Like, for example, um, in Gundam, they moved the um, agricultural ring to the back of the colony where it actually makes no sense to have it because then there's no light hitting it from, you know, no the panels. Sense. Yeah. You know, there have been lots of things that use the O'Neill design, so I don't think that they have had to pay anything because, again, I'm, I don't think that you can copyright scientific concepts. You know, that guy was born on my birthday, too. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were you on Wikipedia looking at the list of like people born on, on X day? Uh, a couple, couple of years ago. Yeah, we did it at work yeah, when yeah. I was bored, and he's on there. And I, yeah. There's a ton of people on my birthday, but yeah, he's Neo, actually on there. Neil's birthday is like the day. But people were born on like famous people, and I yeah. remember he told me about that. I was like, the, the dude that made the colonies for Gundam? Are you kidding? <laughs> well, he didn't make them for oh, Gundam, but I mean, he, I mean, he, that's, I mean, he proposed that. He proposed, yeah. he proposed that the, the his design that they used. Oh. But yeah, that was that was something to know. And it's like, wow, that's that's pretty cool, man. They got presidents and uh, science sci- scientific theorists, man. That's that's nuts, Neo. Yeah. All right. Number two. One of my fondest Gundam memories is going to the first Megacon show. I remember Solbro having to deal with a lot of technical issues, but what were those issues? <laughs> User error? <laughs> it was just feedback. Plug yeah, it. When you, feedback, when you plug yeah. one system into another system, sometimes you have issues. Yeah, I mean, I, I learned a lot from that, and, and also our times at uh, YasumiCon as well. Um, getting the levels right was the big thing, and not getting feedback and, and killing the audience with that, because that, that was my biggest fear. But um, they came out a lot better than I expected. I thought there would be at least the first one would be a total wash, and um, it was just getting those levels right. That was the big thing. All right, and his last question. A question wasn't asked which hosts of Top Gear you thought yourselves to be like. I now ask what hosts of Mythbusters you think best re- you best relate to. Personally, I think Chris is the Jamie Heineman, Solbro is the Adam Savage, and Neo is the Tori Bellacci. What say you? Well, right. I will say... I don't care who I am as long as I get to run off with Carrie Byron and do all sorts of things with her. So there you go. <laughs> that's my answer. That's the only answer. I'll be honest with you. I've never watched that show. I've seen the commercials for it. And I know there's like the guy with the beret and then there's like the guy with the glass. They both have yeah. glasses, but the one guy's got like kind of the crew cut with the glasses. And mm-hmm. I've, I have no clue. <laughs> I really don't. Well, I, I agree with his uh, assessments because uh, Adam Savage is the, uh, the, the, I guess the wild card. Yeah, the Hoper and the Dreamer, yes. <laughs> he's he's the wild card of the show and um he 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 does the outlandish stuff, so I'll 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 side with uh side with that assessment. Mm-hmm. Well, again, Carrie Byron, all that matters. All that is all that matters. <laughs> Whoever wins. <laughs> nothing, else, nothing else is important. That deems the winner. <laughs> yes. And our last questions for this extended segment will come courtesy of Proteus. Mm-hmm. 
says, Dear Gundam crew, number one, imagine you are an ordinary citizen living in an alternate universe where Kira Yamato exists and is piloting the Turn A Gundam. You see him flying slash charging towards you. What will you do? Please be noted that this is Kira in his ultimate Jesus mode, so retaliation is futile, plus Kira being Kira, he'll be spamming Moonlight Butterfly left, right, and center. Man. What is this, the Coliseum? <laughs> I guess so. Um... <laughs> I guess what I will do is um, hold out a little flower oh. or like a little like uh, like a little paper crate or something in the hopes that it'll trigger his trauma switch of the little girl in the shuttle getting blown up. And then in, and while he pauses to cry and, and ponder why people have to die in war, I run away. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would uh, I would eject from my mobile suit and set it to self-destruct because there's no win in that fight. <laughs> But you're but but you're an ordinary citizen. You don't even have a mobile suit. Oh snap! Um, <laughs> then I'll, I'll just pray that he misses because I I don't think I could run very far from that. And don't uh, don't try to grab your pink phone. Oh, <laughs> damn! I'll be finished then. <laughs> All be left of me is a hand. Now, building upon that, if you were given a choice of piloting either the Agu guy, Juagu, Zakrello. Zock oh. or Mir Campbell's pink Zaku, which God. will you choose? Suicide is also a valid option. <laughs> well, considering that being in any of those suits would be like suicide, I'm just going to skip the. Uh, I'm just going to go straight to suicide. There yeah, I'm going to cut the chase. I'm just going <laughs> to blow myself up. Yeah, it's I'll, just... I'll pull an Oliver. <laughs> I'll just slim. I'll slim into something to blow myself up. Because I, I can't think of anything worse than piloting a pink Zaku. Most definitely. Or the Zaccarello. Zaccarello, <laughs> I, I, would, I would take handily over the pink Zaku all day. <laughs> but no, suicide is pretty much the only option you've given us, really. He, he closes by saying, thanks, guys, and keep up the good work. There you go. Mm, awesome. So that, uh, I think, is a, a good place to stop. With, uh, just at the start of page 22 now, so we're up to April. Finally. I think that's a manageable place to be, so... Thanks again for everyone who has submitted their questions on the uh, Mecha Talk thread for that. And next time we will uh, definitely have more questions and we'll get back to um, having your voicemails as well. Since there's tons and tons and tons of those. And again, please, guys, it doesn't hurt you if you listen to Chaos Theater and Laplace's Box. Leave some questions for those because since we've been doing this, Laplace has gotten a total of one voicemail question. Wow. Y'all need to get on that. <laughs> yeah. Y'all need to listen to Laplace's box to begin with. Because, <laughs> come on, guys. Where are you going to find another uh, podcast talking about uh, Gunpla? Yeah, it's, it's the podcast they've been looking for. So I don't know why they don't jump on that already. It's on iTunes. Subscribe. Yeah, it's on iTunes. Miss. Subscribe. So instead of just um, advertising, now I'm going to use guilt on you. There you go. That's why you don't listen to the fans. <laughs> And while you're at it, you too, and leave some questions there. Mm-hmm. Just be George Lucas. Don't listen to the fans. So move, step your game up. No. <laughs> so does that mean that we need to start uh, re-editing Gundam? We should. And changing things around? We should. We should do an episode like that. Take an <laughs> episode and redo it. <laughs> and Luc- Lucas it? That's, that's an, actually a great idea. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I shouldn't have said this on air because now people are thinking to expect it. Oh, man. Don't expect it. <laughs> Don't expect it. Episode 200, expect y'all. It it, expect <laughs> it when it arrives. Yeah. Episode 300. There you go. <laughs> All 300 thinking in the future, huh? Oh, man. 
I'll have a mustache by then. No doubt. <laughs> you have a mustache now. Sure. <laughs> to prepare for episode 300 where you shave it off. There you go. Then we flash back. All right. So that's uh, going to wrap up this mailbag segment. And we will be right back here listening to Gundam at MHQ. You Gundam Heart! Milk was a bad choice! In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, Let's go again. Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fanfiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal... That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a damn about your personal life. Start talking. Alright everyone, welcome back. Uh, and that was episode 102 of Gundam at MHQ. And uh, in this episode we covered the first uh, season of Transformers Prime. Uh, and we'll be doing the second season somewhere in the future, I guess, when it concludes. And the uh, second segment uh, happened to be an extended mailbag since uh, we had to kind of do a quarterly catch-up there. Guys, anything before we uh, move on? Nope, not at all. <laughs> nope. Solbro, uh want to give the folks the websites out there of course everybody please peep these websites head on over where the magic happens mahq.net that's the mecca and anime headquarters also you can check out gundam's main website at gundam.net that's right it's spelled as it sounds also you can find us on itunes facebook and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche. 
and our favorite pedal bear south, Pedro Cortez. Back to you, Neo. All right. Thank you, Solpro. And if that's it, we'll be uh, back with you guys in a couple of weeks with episode 103. It's getting kind of tough to say those now. <laughs> <laughs> the three digits, it's like you got to kind of think about them now. But um, so we'll be back. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Megatron, today you answer for your crimes against Cybertron and against humanity. One shall stand and one shall fall. You, Optimus Prime! foreseen by the ancients. What was it they wrote? The weak shall perish? Do not believe everything you read. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. Horseface director who starts shooting before finishing scripts, based on a children's cartoon designed to sell toys, comes a movie designed to sell toys. Toys you can't even tell apart, except for the black one. This looks like a cool place to kick it. Together, they will unite with this stuttering teenager. No, 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 to defeat a bad guy who doesn't appear until almost two hours into the movie. But in the meantime, there's gratuitous pointy shots of Megan Fox, weird racism, hey, mommy. and robot fights that erupt around random hot girls Michael Bay was trying to pork. This summer, you will say, what the hell is happening? Until they give the bad guy the thing he wants. Give me that cube! And then, it kills him. Seriously, it's f***ing stupid. Starring Burger King, Panasonic, eBay, Cadillac, GMC, The Strokes, Pepto-Bismol, Xbox, Furbies, Pontiac, Mountain Dew, Chevrolet, Chevrolet, and introducing Chevrolet, Battleship, I, I, I mean, Transformers. Come on, they both look the same. Oh man, the Ninja Turtles are f***ed.